does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Yeah, 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 it's a Friday. You made a short week. Hopefully you get a long weekend. Heck, let's be honest, if you had any days, <laughs> had any days, you're probably not at work today. Hopefully you're dialing in. It is the wake-up call. KB and Andy hanging out with you until 10 o'clock on this Friday, as always, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studio. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dighton here in studio hanging out with us and in Florida. Day number two for Kevin Bowen in Florida. AB, I'm tossing it out to you. Are you there? I have no idea. I'm, no, I'm leaking confidence if our technology is going to work today. How are you, buddy? Uh, do you have me? Do you have me? Yes. You, you sound like you're in a bathroom stall, but we do have you. Yes. What's going on, man? How are you? Are you in the gym? I hear something in the background. Is someone already working out? Oof. Oof. <laughs> that's not ideal. That, that, that's not ideal. Oh, well, we need to be honest, Mark. Let's just be honest for a second. I looked at Mark at 6.56 and I go, am I going to have Kevin Bowen today? That's literally what I said. I go, do we have any idea if KB is going to be on the air today? And he goes, I don't really know. Yeah, I know. Well, he can hear the station. We'll find out at 7 o'clock. So, uh, so KB, I don't know. Can you hear us? Let's just work this out on the air. There's no way to be professional at this point. Last show of the year. Let's who, just, who cares about yeah, professional? I mean, at this point, we just might as well be sloppy. So do we have you? Are you there, Kevin? Kevin? Boy, that's not good. That's not great. That's not good at all. I was really hoping to hear him, even if he sounded like he was in the bathroom stall. Uh, I was, ho- I was, I was hoping to he hear him. Bill discussing uh, Notre Dame basketball <laughs> again or something. Did hey KB? Did you go to the nude? Not the nude beach. What was it? The nude Garden bar. Of Eden. Did you the go Garden to of Garden of Eden last night? Uh, I doubt it. So let me set up the show. We'll see what we have going on uh, with Kevin there in Florida. Eight o'clock. Greg Rakestraw going to join us. We'll talk with him. A normal football Friday here. Here on the fan, and then on top of it, Matt Taylor. He'll join us coming up at nine o'clock. Voice of the Indianapolis Colts. Reminder: all that pregame coverage on Sunday, beginning at nine a.m. Uh, it is Colts and Raiders. So, Mark, should you I guys go? got me? Oh, there we hey. go. Hey, you sound much better now. What's up, buddy? How are you? Are we alive? Uh, we are live. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, I've done messier radio before in my life. I'm sure oh you guys have as well. So what's the scene? You uh, you so sit by I, the elliptical machine or what's happening? I'll be honest with you. I did see a few of the fitness center people yesterday around. We're in like a um, there's like 40 kind of like condo-y uh, sure. apartment villas, yeah. however you want to describe it here. And I did see a few of the people and just slowly gave them a head nod. And then I quickly ducked my head and turned the other way. Um, so I am not in the <laughs> fitness center. I thought there was a chance that the Key West PD might get called. So I'm actually on a back porch. Nice. Um, I feel like the ambiance is pretty nice. Yeah. And... I am on Opal, so God bless the Opal gods for making this work right. Well, that's now. great. No, you sound you sound fine right now. So, so you're looking like is it sun is it sunrise right now in Florida? What are you looking at right now? Because I'm looking at Mark yeah, Dighton. I, there are well, yeah, well, uh, yeah, uh, probably a little little bit of a different view uh, than what I'm looking at right now. Some palm trees are blocking it, but it uh, looks like uh, yesterday was rain. Honestly, not that I'm gonna. You know, all of a sudden, cry myself a river here and act like you guys had some great weather yesterday. But uh, yes, the sun is starting to come up. Looks like a nice full moon still in the well, sky. Good. 
I'm ready for Notre Dame to get a Sun Bowl victory today. Is that today? What time does that game start? I don't even know. Is it? It's not a nooner because I know uh, Kentucky and Clemson's a nooner. What time are you guys? Eight o'clock? You the prime time sure. game? Two o'clock on CBS. I can only imagine okay. Maddie's reaction when I tell her I need to go inside to watch the Sun Bowl. Yeah. Well, you can watch on your phone. Uh, I don't know. So, <laughs> that, that's basically <laughs> it. Like I said, Rake's Frog going to join us. Matt Taylor will have our picks coming up at about 8.30. We can talk about those college football playoff games as well. Uh, not the Sun Bowl. Uh, I do want to talk coming up in about 25 minutes or so. I got reading on oh, I'm blanking. I think it was Joel A. Erickson who we had on yesterday. It was either him or Nate Atkins. I'll look it up during the break who wrote about Reggie Wayne in the Hall of Fame. And KB, I know we talked a little about that yesterday, so I want to dive into that. And then obviously, tons of Colts and Raiders. Such a big one coming up. Lucas Oil at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, It would just be silly, though, not to lead for a few minutes with... I mean, I'm impressed. I don't know about you, Kevin. I don't know how much you got to see down there. I don't know if you guys fired up the Bally's app. Uh, First of all, I hope the Bally's app worked (laughs) for you guys. Uh, Last night, I did you on a couple my different things I had to delete and reinstall so you had to do that every couple weeks but I gotta be honest you know we had Scott Agnes on yesterday and Agnes said he thought the win in Houston was the best win that they had had since the play-in tournament right since the in-season I should say since the in-season tournament and I mean you know that kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit but it made sense since they haven't been very good obviously Houston's better than a team like Charlotte Uh, and then last night you know my rhetoric last night going into the game was simple if you're going to make the playoffs and if you're going to be making the playoffs and if you care about your seed you got to walk in and you got to beat a team like Chicago without a couple stars I know they've been playing better basketball and last night Tyrese Halliburton 21 points 20 assists doesn't have a turnover the second player in NBA history to do that the first back in 2016 with Chris Paul and KB you know I thought it was a mature sure effort for the most part it was a crazy game you get up you get up by 22 then you trail midway through the fourth quarter and then you rebound all the way back to win by you know for it to not be a close game in the final couple minutes and winning by 16 I thought for the most part it was uh, for a young team it was a mature response by them and now you look at the last three games Tyrese Halliburton has been back to his special self. 83 points, 45 assists, just six turnovers in the last three games. And obviously last night, uh, having no turnovers, this was a team uh, that gave up a 24-point lead. They rebounded, they won. And I know after the game, uh, there's a lot of video out there of Carlisle and the assistants praising the guys. Getting these wins is a good rebound. Their season was going in an iffy direction in the last two games games they've really helped themselves Andy read the Halliburton stat line again because again, tonight I, 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 <laughs> yeah, 21 points 20 assists a couple steals couple rebounds zero turnovers and by the way only two fouls as well 21 points 20 assists and zero turnovers like this is video game stuff and you know, to your point and we've talked about it for the last couple of weeks it hasn't been the same Halliburton I, I, I think particularly and he pointed this out after the game last night it's that turnover number that is, you know, been a bit alarming for him. And the fact that he just gets 20 and 20 
and we act like that's normal. We should not act like that's normal. I mean, no, that is we should absolutely incredible. Uh, I believe the stat the NBA released last night was first time uh, I think since Chris Paul, uh, and he's the only guy to do it. Chris Paul, besides Halliburton last night, to go twenty twenty and have zero turnovers um and i thought a big sequence because I, I i honestly checked out of the game a little bit when they got up what was it 20 25 something like that yeah they got 24 then, 24 was the biggest lead i believe they had all night third quarter you know starts creeping closer starts creeping closer i'm like all right here i'm, I'm back dialing up the valley sports app when it's 93 90 and how fitting chicago takes the lead so you blow the huge lead chicago takes it and carlisle okay enough is enough i've got to put in our guy and it was another night, and we haven't had this really since earlier in the month, but it's a, another night that you're reminded of just how damn valuable he is to this basketball team. Again, 21 points, the 20 assists, the zero turnovers. You're down 93-90. You've blown it. He comes in the game, assist to healed for a three. He has a couple buckets. I think a Turner assist in there as well. And next thing you know, you're back in full control, and you get two straight. Two road wins. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. Chicago's kind of with you in the standings. Now, if you want to look ahead a little bit, you're going to get the Knicks traveling on the back-to-back tomorrow night. You're going to be back at home. There's just a little bit of positive momentum. And then how can you not talk about the defensive end of the floor? And, you know, part of it, I think we just got to get used to this era, Andy, of like the Pacers held the Bulls to 104. There should be a parade in Indianapolis right. today for yeah, that. Yeah, that's, like, that's that's great. Yeah, <laughs> that, and, and this is a trend a little bit here. You know, this is what four or five in a row now, really ever since the 150 night against the Clippers. So, um, again, baby steps important. 16 and 14 on the year. And uh, we'll see if uh, they can close out the uh, 2023 campaign with one more against the next. Yeah, last thing on this, they had to steady their season, did they not? They had sure. to. They had to. And to me, that's what this was about. I mean, if you go in after losing to Memphis, and I understand Ja was back, and that was emotional, and what an atmosphere, and that's all we heard, and that's fine. It's whatever. Memphis is obviously a much different team, uh, but they were not good in that game. I mean, that Memphis game, Obi Toppin was your leading scorer in that game, and then you come home and. I know Orlando is a bad matchup, but you've lost out a couple times, you know, to the Orlando Magic. And let's just say what it is. You don't want to lose every time you're the Orlando Magic. And you're sitting there saying, damn, I mean, if they lose Houston and or Chicago, you're looking at losing four straight or three out of four. And then the playoff teams are coming, right? New York, two against Milwaukee, two against Boston. And then the Atlanta Hawks jammed in there who are going to be fighting to the bitter end for a playoff spot are going to be desperate as well. I I don't know. To me, they needed to do that. This is five straight games they've held their opponent under uh, 120 points. Carlisle, even going back to our conversation, KB, on Tuesday with him, was talking at the end. It was three or four games. You know, it was three games. Hey, last three games have been under 120 you know, to me, it's not even totally just that line of demarcation. To me, it's when you need some stops, can you can you lock in and get some stops? And there have been games they have not been able to do it, but the last couple they have. Perhaps it's growth of a team. Uh, if so, on Tuesday, it'll be a happy Rick Carlisle. <laughs> I mean, it will. And that, yeah. And in our, in our world, that's all that matters. So, again, it'll be Pacers Knicks tomorrow night as they're back inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Uh, and then, as Andy said, the big ones uh, coming up to start the new year with Milwaukee on the first and the third. It is another positive injury report for the Colts yesterday. Um, you know, I feel like we kind of snuck it in the end of the show, Andy. But, I mean, Braden Smith and Michael Pittman Jr. are arguably your most indispensable Colts. And for them to be both full yesterday at practice is a great sign leading into Sunday. Now, we should mention 
At this point last week, Andy, Michael Pittman Jr. had done the same exact stuff he's done this week. Right, we thought he was going to play. Yeah. Right, in terms of he hadn't been in the red jersey. You know, he had practiced full on that Thursday practice. So uh, that is just something, you know, as we monitor the next 24 hours to keep an eye on. But, again, a good-looking injury report when you consider Braden Smith. We talked about the offensive line and how when they've been healthy and intact and played a full game – the, the Colts have had great success. You, you point to Tampa, you point even earlier in the year to Baltimore as well. So uh, obviously very important coming up for Sunday. I think that line has stayed pretty steady all week long, right? Still Colts by a field goal? Yeah, I believe so. I'll have to look it up on all the different services. Of course, now you go to ESPN and they bring up ESPN Bet, which I have not uh, done a deep dive in yet to see what kind of service yeah, they're offering. Yeah, three and a half over under uh, at 42 and a half. Right now, uh, the Colts minus 190 on the money line. So that's what they're looking at. Uh, it opened at three. It's moved to three and a half. So there hasn't been, there hasn't been too much movement on that. This This would be the healthiest the Colts have been since when. And I know Julian Blackman is not there. I understand that's a loss. I'm not downgrading that loss whatsoever. Uh, By the way, Mark Dighton has put a picture of you up. And uh, you look not as splattering as yesterday. And there's an even worse one later. So I'd say stay connected. (laughs) Where is that from? You look frightened. You look like you're in a a media room. You look scared Mm -hmm. in a media room. Like you're following the Olympics or something. Where's that from? Do you have any idea? Now that's a nice tie. Can you not say? I like the Come tie. On now. It's a, yeah, I like that's the a tie. Looking tie. It, okay, it looks that like, is NFL. It looks NFL like combine. Oh, it's a combine. I'm in the convention center. I know exactly what. I know exactly that room. You look like a car salesman. That's like you know they have like a charitable like day at the. Hey kids, <laughs> here's some Salisbury steak. And you got like a little apron on. That's what it looks. By like. By the way, you guys will like this. I've always thought car I'd be salesman I, and Salisbury <laughs> steak. What are you saying, Mark? Listen, I'm just saying. Mark's had a rough 20 minutes. Okay, yeah. he said he's still yeah, he's still until a second ago had his coat on. Uh-huh. It's never good when Mark still has his <laughs> coat on and it's 7:02. <laughs> I know the exact convention center because I covered the Combine a number of times. In that big convention center with all the, the smelly NFL media is one of the great gathering of media hacks in the history of the United States. <laughs> is it not? It really is. Uh, that is that's such a <laughs> great description of re- that. Thank you, Mark, mm-hmm. for finding that that's picture. Oh, again, yeah. There's a worse That's fantastic. One, so, oh, that might make an appearance. Since it's the oh, last yeah, we'll switch maybe it out. I, have one every hour. Maybe i just seen like Manti Teo in the, uh, in the hallway. <laughs> prior to that by the way we can just hand kevin stefanski coach of the year right? dude oh what do we let me ask you this i was going to do this later but we're here we'll take a break in a second again rake straw at eight matt taylor at nine we'll give our predictions 8 30 uh, or so we'll talk colts coming up at 7 30 as well what do we do with the cleveland browns like honestly what do we do with joe flacco not being just simply like good not simply being a game manager but being a really good quarterback and of course they blew the jets out last night the jets did not want to be there that was abundantly clear but they have a defense that travels and joe flacco is legit good like what do we do do we need to because i haven't taken them seriously kb i've said ah they're a playoff team but i have not taken them seriously what what am i supposed to do with them well, I mean, they could very well be favored in round one of the playoffs. Sure. And this is assuming, you know, okay, right now it looks like they'll get the AFC South winner. So if the playoffs started today, it would be Jacksonville hosting Cleveland. Wouldn't you take Cleveland? I mean, no, I would. As, yeah, as, you know what I think yeah. of Jacksonville. Sure. Sure, sure. But I mean, you know, I don't know. Even if Cleveland got Kansas City in round one, I, I, I feel like that would be close to Boy, a coin a flip with, that I mean, would Flacco just. Flacco looks like 2012 Ravens Super Bowl run Flacco because that's the thing about him is his career is very average as a quarterback regular season wise. But that playoff run, 
he was Manning. He was Brady. You know, he was, you know, however you you want to describe it. He was, so, he, he was Eli um, Manning. That's who you were talking about, I'm sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, he was he was he was outstanding in that run. So again, last night the Browns get it done. For those that did not watch, thirty-seven twenty over the Jets. Again, Kevin Stefanski for much more than just their quarterback situation. He deserves Coach of the Year. I it's saw not, a great it's, stat. It's not like they have a ton of weapons either, Kevin. Like that's the other well, last thing. night without Cooper yeah. too. You know, yeah. I mean, Cooper's out. Obviously, Nick Chubb. You know, tore up his knee early in the season. So. A great stat, though, of for our, our, our lovable loser fan bases. No, I'm not talking about Mark. Uh, how about this? The Lions and Browns, they have won double-digit games for the first time that has happened since 1970. Wow. Wow. By the way, is there a plane going over you right now? Is there? A, yeah, it sounds like it there's a, a plane. It, Are they saying, "Hey, you know, hey Mary, do you want to do you want to get married or something like that?" Hey Brittany, do you want to get married or is it just a plane? Boy, that's that'd be early in the day for one of those. Uh, a well, little helicopter cheaper. action. Okay. Yeah, I, I believe there's some sort of um, a military base over on the uh, I guess I don't know west south part of Key West. So gotcha. Yes, I am remote in Florida again. Like we said, uh, thank the Lord for Opal, Mark Dykton, Skylar Wood. Great work and getting me set up here as we close out this week. Plenty of Colts and Raiders uh, chatter to get to. Um, it, the the Raiders to me, like you look at the last two weeks, are they fluky? Are they not? I think that's something we can get into. Uh, it does not look like Josh Jacobs is going to give it a go. He did not practice yesterday uh, for the Raiders, so that'll be one little thing to keep an eye on as again the Friday injury report will come out later this week. Indiana Purdue back in action tonight. We'll hit on that as well. Greg Gregstraw, 8 o'clock. Matt Taylor at 9. Good Friday morning to you. Thanks for spending it with us. It is the wake-up call. KB. Yeah, morning check down. Obviously, we opened with it. Two straight now for the Pacers winners on the road last night. 120-104. Gave up a 24-point lead. Trailed by three with about seven minutes to go. Came all the way back again and won by 16. Now, the player of the game, obviously, is Tyrese Halliburn. The 21 points, the 20 assists, most notable, the zero turnovers. And maybe what we didn't know, and also I know some stuff was going around as we got closer to game time. Tony East was talking about it and others on Twitter. Very questionable was Halliburton going into this game. Lower back soreness, but he did play, and obviously, he was great last night. Here's Carlisle on Halliburton and on that injury. I was surprised that he played based on how he was presenting this morning, but uh, you know we've got the best medical staff in the league. They were able to, to figure out the problem and get it corrected, and um, obviously, he, he did well. How about the uh, day of Mario Strikers for Tyrese Halliburton? He said he was standing up in his hotel room playing (laughs) Mario Strikers to try and alleviate any back issues he had. He should play for Pacers Gaming. He's the best player for the Pacers basketball team. He should also play for the eSports Pacers Gaming. Uh, Knicks coming up tomorrow night for the Pacers. Again, one 16 last, or excuse me, 120-104 last night. Now 16 and 14 on the year. All right, uh, Colts injury report. It looks pretty good going into this final session of the week. And the two most important names on that would be a full participant for Michael Pittman Jr. as he tries to progress through the concussion protocol. Again, he was at this point last week. He got cleared by an independent neurologist on Friday of last week. So certainly those are signs to still think about. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it, it is a good notion that he is at this point here heading into the final practice of the week. And Braden Smith, yesterday his first work, and he was a full participant, his first work 
in three weeks. Absolutely vital that he is out there um, as you go up against Max Crosby, one of the more disruptive defensive linemen in all of football. So, Andy, a good-looking Colts injury report, minus obviously Julian Blackman heading into Friday. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, obviously, what happens here in the next 24, 36 hours or so with Michael Pittman. We know if he doesn't play, uh, those corners can play. That defense, not too bad what we saw them do against a couple teams lately here, so that's going to be interesting interesting uh, as well. Day full of college football games today. Clemson, Kentucky, Oregon State, and Notre Dame. The big one, 2 o'clock on CBS. Uh, I'll, of course, be watching Iowa State, Memphis. Who doesn't want to watch that at 3.30? And then the, <laughs> then the nightcap tonight, the Cotton Bowl, Ohio State and Missouri. I'm oddly rooting for Missouri. I, I have no idea why I'm doing that, uh, but the, the, those are the games uh, coming up today, did you happen to see any of the shenanigans after the Pop-Tart Bowl yesterday, Kevin Bowen? Did you see any of this? Okay, so w- walk me through this. At some point there, it looked like the Pop-Tart was being lifted into the air, and then it went through the toaster, and then I did not did – <laughs> these players actually consume yes. the Pop-Tart. Yes. Y- yes, that's exact – and media. So, yes, there was – you know, there, there was there was a, a man or woman, a mascot, if you will, in the Pop-Tart, and then he or she – she jumps into the toaster. We say goodbye to the Pop-Tart and it spits out the other side in actual big Pop-Tart that was probably, Mark, did you see it? Oh, it was it probably six feet long. Yeah. Uh-huh. Was it not? Six yep. by four, maybe? <laughs> amazing. And uh, the, the winning coach there, and who was the winning coach of, of the Pop-Tart Bowl? Kansas it was, State, right? It was Kansas State. Kleiman, Kleeman, I believe that, that's who the coach is. Uh, he grabbed a big old chunk and their quarterback grabbed a big old chunk and they started eating players ate it i saw even a couple media members went up there and grabbed a little of the the actual i i I thought they made a couple but i I think it was original it was something red strawberry or cherry it was strawberry or cherry which is the original i know you don't want to hear that but it is it's the original hey hand raise i got roasted by my family yesterday (laughs) for saying i'd rather have brown sugar and s'mores i forgot all of you food pyramidists out there that you know oh yeah we need our you know fruits with our with our did they listen uh, to the show here. or did you give them that take off the air because i'm hoping they didn't listen at eight o'clock in the morning while you guys are on vacation yeah they love me at least i think <laughs> they do but not that much no thankfully yeah i, no, I, I brought enough. that up I, i'm gonna uh, say it right well, now that pop tart bowl was the that, that thing was the greatest thing i've ever seen in a bowl game in history i hope it's a a long-time staple going forward because that was fantastic. I mean, bring back the cheese it Bowl, continue the Mayo Bowl, and the Pop-Tart. It's just absolutely genius marketing on all ends. Um, all right, tonight, uh, back in action. That would be Indiana-Purdue, back from their Christmas vacation here. Uh, again, for Indiana fans, tonight is Big Ten Plus. So when you start scrambling at 6 o'clock to find Indiana-Kennesaw State, this is on Big Ten Plus, which I believe is nine ninety-five per month to subscribe to that this is a kennesaw state team that is good it made the tournament last year gave xavier everything they could handle in round one gave indiana everything it could handle last year in assembly hall so certainly not just some cakewalk and that's kind of been the case for indiana really all non-conference season even with these mid-major teams for purdue it'll be eastern kentucky they are favored by 29 and a half uh, there's a lot of indie connections on that eastern kentucky team uh, but andy as we mentioned yesterday uh, if when purdue wins tonight that will be three straight years of not losing a single non-conference game. Pretty darn impressive for Matt Painter's bunch. I don't know what's more impressive, that you beat all these good teams or you don't 
spit the bit, if you will, against a mediocre team. They're like, everybody does that. Everybody has a game where you lose. Like, how did we lose to fill in the blank? And it hasn't happened in three years. I don't know which one is more impressive with Purdue basketball. I don't. Eastern, Eastern Kentucky, one of their wins is Wilberforce. What do you know about Wilberforce? <laughs> well, let's look it up. Where's Wilberforce at? Do you have any idea? Sounds like a tech company. Sounds like a, something high alpha, you know, the, the portfolio company here. Uh, it's in Ohio. It's in Ohio. That's all. I can, it's in Wilberforce, Ohio. So I had no idea there was a Wilberforce, Ohio. See, we're learning like something a, today. I'm trying to look. It's out. Like there's a million colleges in Ohio. Uh, it is. Uh, it's a. It's a suburb of Dayton, of Dayton, Ohio. Like if you there were you heading go. towards Columbus, well, Dayton's, Dayton's got rich basketball history, so I guess that <laughs> there you go. I guess that checks out. Like you said, Indiana there. favored by twelve and a half. Purdue favored by twenty nine and a half today. Their colors are yellow and or yellow and gr- golden green. I'm uh, not a fan. You're not a fan. Not a fan. They look like Packers you- colors. Oh, come on, Mark. There. <laughs> They're also the well, Bulldogs like, too. So there you go. Could be confusing tonight inside of Mackey if Wilberforce <laughs> brings a couple of busload of fans yeah. for that one. That game is on Big Ten Network at seven o'clock. And again, the Browns beat the Jets last night. They clinch a playoff berth. Joe Flacco, three hundred yards, three touchdowns. I feel like it's two thousand seventeen when I read off those numbers. Uh, but he's been huge for Cleveland, obviously, as they punch their. Can I give you a stat right, real speaking- quick? Can I give you a stat real quick? Yeah. I saw Adam Schefter put this out eight minutes ago. Kevin Stefanski of Cleveland, you know, perhaps coach of the year, probably coach of the year right now. Kevin Stefanski has become the first Browns head coach to lead the team to multiple playoff berths since Marty Schottenheimer did it from 1985 to 1988. Just picturing those shots of just picturing those uh, those uh, shots of Schottenheimer with that Browns hat on the sideline. Fantastic vivid imagery. Of that. All right. On the other side, we'll get into the Colts and Raiders discussion. Again, it's a good looking injury report here late in the week for Indianapolis. Where should the worry level be? And what do the Raiders, what have they done well? And now winning two straight games here to put themselves into playoff contention. Uh, Colts and Raiders chatter. We'll do that on the other side. It's a wake up call. It's KB and Andy. Yeah, reminder. Life is so much more than a diagnosis, it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Greg Strong going to join us at 8 o'clock. Matt Taylor, radio voice of the Colts, will be joining us in the 9 o'clock hour. Kevin is still hanging out there watching the uh, watching the sunset and doing a little sports radio in Florida. Me and Mark Dighton hanging out in the drive. Hubler.com studio. You know, I'm flipping through Instagram, uh, Instagram KB, and uh, between all the Instagram models, I do have uh, a little pacer highlight here. Uh, did you happen to see? I, listen, I know you're on, you know, you guys are out having a good time and everything. You're 
you're watching the Pacers. Did you happen to see the pass to Turner that was in transition? The dime that he threw to Turner, and Turner goes in for the dunk. If not, you got to see it. Maybe the best pass he's had all season. Yeah, and this gets back to something we talked about when he had that great turnover uh, turnover less streak, if that makes sense. You know, when he had the whatever, the 40 straight assists without a turnover. That pass reminded me of like, it's not like he's throwing like fundamental bounce passes and he's straying away from any sort of high-risk passes. That one last night, you know, the lobs to Obi Toppin from from midcourt – it's he is a basketball wizard and we, we should not take him for for granted you know again it's been a couple of weeks since we've seen this type of performance but it's a video game 21 points 20 assists zero turnovers that is a video game like performance from Tyrese Halliburton and boy do the Pacers need it I know plus minus can get a little skewy and I've brought it up a few times but you know the fact that he ended the game plus I think it was 32 could not be more indicative of how he was was. in full control when he was on the floor. Yeah, It was. Uh, Turner was plus 30. Neesmith plus 25. Buddy Heald, who I thought had a really good game, hit some timely shots. He was plus 22. All right, so here's what I want to do. In the next 30, we have about 25 minutes in this segment before we get our guy Greg Rakestraw up. Uh, Reggie Wayne, in about 10, 15 minutes, KB, you know, the numbers came out. Indy Star did a good piece on Reggie Wayne, kind of where he stands. I wanted to break that down. I wanted actually stick up for Reggie Wayne bit by I'm not sure he makes it to the Hall of Fame this time around I think he may have to wait until next year Uh, we can debate that but I I think if you look at purely his numbers and I'm a longevity guy as well I think Reggie Wayne uh, should be in perhaps over a guy like Torrey Holt Andre Johnson is going to be a big discussion as well so I want to do that I have some Shane Steichen sound I want to play here in a second but uh, we'll do our official picks coming up in about an hour how do you view this game? Where do you sit right now on Colts Raiders? Obviously, we know how huge of a game it is. We know for the most part this season that this Colts team has bounced back. We also know that the Raiders have a little bit of mojo, and much of that is from the defensive side of the football. The Colts is healthy. I understand Julian Blackman is going to be out, but as healthy as they have been probably for the last month or so, and that is if Braden Smith and Michael Pittman Jr. are out there playing on Sunday. So as the scene is right now on this Friday, what do you make of the game? What do you think about the game? <laughs> Thank you for the important caveat, as the scene is on this Friday, because obviously this time last week we thought Michael Pittman was going to play. Um, I, I feel pretty good about the Colts. Um, you know, again, I kind of teased it before the break. I think when you look at the Raiders the last two weeks, to score two defensive touchdowns in each of those games uh, that has not been done in consecutive games by any NFL team since the 2012 bears. So, you know, just that alone is a bit fluky. Uh, yeah, I'm sure Gardner Mitchell's had some turnover issues this season, but um, still, I, I don't expect that or don't think the Raiders can necessarily just rely on that. I'm very curious how they emotionally respond from the Kansas City game on a short week. That was their Super Bowl, and I know they're still in the playoff mix, but you just see the reactions after the game, and you know that was a bit kind of like Colt almost beating the Patriot, like um, if you want to go back a decade or so. Um, and then you bring up like the loss of Julian Blackman. Again, I think having Pittman and Brain Smith back are so, so vital for the Colts. I also can sit here and totally acknowledge that Julian Blackman is a significant loss, and I do think he's an underrated guy. But, Andy, is Aiden O'Connell the one to expose that? Right. Well, you would hope like, not. That's, you know, 
Right. Well, yes, you you certainly hope not. But like, that's where I'm a little bit in doubt if I'm a Raiders fan of like, oh, is O'Connell a guy that's going to test you vertically? And, you know, sure, Blackman does a lot of stuff even underneath of getting guys lined up. And, um, you know, I guess basically it's how much can a rookie quarterback who has pretty much looked like a rookie, a, a couple of nice moments, mostly mediocre moments from Aiden O'Connell, how much can he test the communication of Indianapolis? How much can the Raiders dress up, if you will, and get Nick Cross and Rodney Thomas and the the back line of the defense and the second level of your defense? How much can you know they kind of test that and, and, and really make you think, especially on the road? Um, so that's kind of where I sit here on this Friday. And then just lastly, I would probably add to Andy, um, again, mentioned it to Joel Erickson. We had him on yesterday. In the last 18 games, Jonathan Taylor's had over 100 yards one time. I don't think that's truly indicative of, like, Taylor's lack of success. Um, But, you know, can that trench unit obviously get back to what we saw, you know, two weeks ago against Pittsburgh and certainly not we saw on Sunday against the Falcons? Yeah, I want to get to that running stuff here in just a second. So, Mark, get that Shane Steichen clip from earlier in the week. We'll dive into that. You know, KB, as you're talking, I I am – I am perplexed by the Raiders. Like, just as a whole. I am perplexed as a team. I mean, they went out and they scored three points against the Vikings a couple weeks ago, dude. They score or they scored zero points. They lost three nothing to the Vikings a couple weeks ago. And Aiden O'Connell, who might end up being listen, I, I think at least to the least, and this is not me putting him down. I think to the least, he is going to be a backup quarterback and is going to get some chances to start some games. But I mean, if you're the Colts and you let you let Aiden O'Connell beat you. I mean, I guess this is a shot at my man AOC, okay? Uh, the the second AOC, if you will. That's no a political boy. joke, okay? Come on, everybody. It's a Friday. Like, if you let him walk in here, and you're right, and find Devontae Adams, and find Jacoby Myers, and have those guys, you know, play well against you, that's not going to be a good look when everything's on the line. If Aiden, Connell and, uh, Aiden O'Connell, and I don't know what the, like, the line would be, how many yards he needs to have or not have, or touchdowns, or whatever. It may be so like they don't have quarterback play right now that is even average. Josh Jacobs is out. I mean, Josh Jacobs has played all intents and purposes his final game as a Raider. So you don't have them. okay? but what you do have is a team that has some moxie, that has some momentum. And then on top of it, I'm with you, though. Does that mean they've used all of that up the last two weeks, especially, especially last week going to Kansas City and doing what they did? And I don't know the answer to that. If I took the the cockiness and the way that defense played and I bottled that up and I took that to the Colts and I look at what the Colts did against Atlanta, I'd be scared to death, would I not? But but I, I, I am admitting that the Raiders do not have a very good offense and I am admitting that I think the Atlanta game also for the Colts was an outlier, right? And so this game... 
is confusing. I woke up this morning wanting to lean more Colts. You know I've been Raiders all week. We have 45 right. minutes to our pick, but it's it just I feel like there's some real highs with this Raider team. But I also feel like they are inept at a couple different spots uh, as well. It's a very confusing game. To me, last, you know, you look at it, when they lost three in a row and they're scoring 16 points against the Jets, you go back the last like four or five weeks and I have felt like this was a win for the Colts. As much as you can go down the schedule and put a W next to games and put an L next to games, I put a W uh, next to this game, and I no longer feel that way, and that's the only reason that I have a little bit of a uh, of, of a pit in my stomach on this game, just because I could foresee that defense and that defensive line making Gardner Minshew Sunday afternoon a living hell, and if that happens, this team has shown if he plays bad and turns the ball over, they'll lose a game. It's scary. Yeah, I- Again, when Max Bowen wakes up this morning, I will tell him he's named after Max Crosby. Good. I mean, I, I think Crosby's a stud and, and and first, second, third down stud. I mean, this is not just a pass rusher. It's not just a run defender. Uh, he's outstanding. And then you think about Devontae Adams, and, and I still think there's plenty of juice left in that. Um, you know, you think back to last, year, last year's matchup with the Raiders. You know, Adams had I think it was nine for one twenty. Uh, in that game, and that was with Stephon Gilmore, you know, making the play there late. Now, Adams was really quiet last week against Kansas City. It's a lot of young secondary guys, so I am curious just, you know, again, how, you know, do the Colts handle that? How does Gus Bradley handle that? You know, do you try to get Kenny Moore matchup in some situations with him? That is a big height d- differential. Is that something that would concern you at all? So um, they're, they're a little banged up on the O-line. That's probably something that we should mention as well. And again, does not look like Josh Jacobs is going to give it a go. Uh, they still have run it pretty effectively without him here in re- recent weeks. But I would say I'm probably more of a Colts lean here as we sit on Friday morning. And the Michael pittman Braden smith combo is a huge, huge part of that. Uh, okay, so Greg Rakesar are going to join us at 8 o'clock. I want to get to some Reggie Wayne stuff. Before we do that, running the football, uh, Shane Steichen, I believe this is going back, KB, to Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the last time he spoke with the media could have been Monday. I have my days all mixed up. Here's Shane Steichen. He was asked directly, why aren't you guys consistently able to run the football? Yeah, I think we've had our weeks, right? Obviously, we had a good week against you know Pittsburgh, and then we didn't have it last week, and uh, we got to get you know we got to get that going. You know, I think, obviously, the run game's huge. You know, you can lean on the run. Uh, that opens up the pass game and and uh, we got to be great up front this week you know what I mean I think both sides of the football offense and defensive line you know we got to set the tone so I mean one thing to know yeah one thing to know I mean the Colts have responded usually pretty well this season you know it's not like they've had long losing streaks um, that you know individual units that have played poorly like the offensive line that's been a bit Jekyll and Hyde you know that we saw how they responded from Cincinnati to Pittsburgh. So I think that's where you do have a little bit of optimism and just, you know, urgency should be different. It should be pissed off urgency for the, for the Colts. Whereas the Raiders come into this one and it's, they've celebrated this win, you know, more so than any other regular season win in, in, in years for that franchise. So just from a psyche standpoint, I think I'd rather have the pissed off urgency team than the team coming in here again, short week, multiple time zones. Um, So it does sound like, Maybe I'm a little bit more comfortable with the Colts, and you're a little bit more uh, on the uh, on the fence here. Yeah, I'm probably on the fence. I think it's going to be a close game. I really do think it's going to be a close game. Let's go back to what Steichen said. You know, they've been <sighs> – KB, the importance of, the, of running the ball here. They have been in 
inconsistent team at running the ball. I Now, I have been consistent in next year, if Anthony Richardson is healthy and he is playing the majority of the games, the thing that I think that we will see that will be most different for this team, I mean, yes, of course, sack numbers because AR will be able to get out of the pocket and make you know something out of nothing. But I really think, you know, I think Steichen is going to want to run the football. They really ran the football down people's throats in Philadelphia with Shane Steichen. And this year, there's been good running games. There's been bad running games. And even recently, you know, two games ago, uh, you look at the Steelers game, you know, we talk about Zach Moss goes out of the game. You still had the injury to Jonathan Taylor and you run for 170 yards against that defensive front, that defense with Pittsburgh. And then the next game, you come back and it's not that. The game before, what was uh, the Bengals. You ran for 46 yards in that game. So I did the numbers, and and here's the problem with it. The numbers aren't that crazy. In wins, Kevin Bowen, they average 123 yards uh, rushing in wins. In losses, it's 101. And so I went out there thinking the numbers would be more lopsided than it is, and that's just not the case. They are an inconsistent team when it comes to running the football. Why does that matter to me? It matters to me in this game because Max Crosby is a guy like the Bengals had. Max Crosby is a guy like, uh, and that defensive front is like we saw with teams earlier this year, whether it be Aaron Donald, whether it be Miles Garrett in what he did in Cleveland, and what those teams were able to do is is, is is make Gardner Minshew second guess a bunch of stuff. And if this team can't run, now I'm relying on not Jonathan Taylor and Gardner Minshew in that offense. I'm relying the onus is really on Gardner Minshew. And that's when I get nervous that you get a turnover. You know he's been susceptible to a fumble. Uh, we have seen those things. Suddenly, a couple of those things happened. That's how you lost the Browns game was giving short fields to at that time a pathetic offense and giving them free points whether it be the sack in the end zone whether it be some what two field goals in that game Uh, and so that's what worries me the most is is can they run the ball consistently in this game and it's been a lost year for Jonathan Taylor, uh, right? I mean, it's been a lost year, and now you need him and that offensive line to win their battles up front. To me, that's where the game's going to be made. If they can stop the run and say, now we can pin our ears back on Gardner Minshew, that's when I think the margin for air lessens for the Colts on Sunday. We will see. I think eventually he will be a Hall of Fame wideout if he continues to do this for a couple more years. We will see a Hall of Famer and Devontae Adams coming up here on Sunday. I know you wanted to touch on Reggie Wayne and his candidacy after the announcement was, uh, what was that, Wednesday night, I guess, uh, that he is a finalist along with Dwight Franey here for 2024. I've always thought this about Wayne. First off, there's a log jam at wideouts. Um, that's an issue that the Hall of Fame has had now for several years, and it's only going to grow with how the game continues to be more pass happy. Why Reggie Wayne deserves to be a Hall of Famer, among all the reasons, consistency, you know, just the regular season numbers. Andy, look at his postseason resume. I mean, he is one of the more decorated postseason wideouts. And when you get to that part of the year, and yep, scouting reports, whatever, get 
more intense and just the pressure rises, um, a cool, calm, collected competitor, which is exactly how I would describe Reggie Wayne. He delivered on those stages uh, routinely. And so for me, that is why uh, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And I, I, I think there's a chance this year, but I'm a little nervous about Torrey Holt getting in just because he's waited so long and there seems to be some politics involved with that sort of process. But yeah, Reggie Wayne uh, to me is definitely a hall of famer. Yeah. Give me clip seven here, Mark. Here's Reggie Wayne yesterday. If he makes the hall of fame, the kind of party he's going to have, this is pretty good stuff. Oh, it's going to be a party. It's going to be a celebration. It's going to be fun times. That's why I keep telling everybody like, man, you, this your year you're going to get in. I say, look, you'll know when I get in, it'll be a party. And if I'm still coaching, you can best believe I'm going to be absent for a little while. <laughs> I love the media chuckle at the end, KB. It's too bad you weren't a part of the media chuckle around Reggie yeah. Wayne. Uh, I'm chuckling down here. Yes, yeah. uh, I would vote Edron James as maybe the only one to have a bigger party than old Reg. Oh, goodness. What was it? He was at camp. Was it, wasn't it? Uh, Edge at camp? I remember him being at camp when, when I first started, and then like two weeks later, he was the video of him riding around with a bunch of money in his backseat <laughs> came out, which is fantastic as well. I mean, for me, and the Indy Star did a good job kind of laying all this out. Out. Uh, Reggie Wayne, not to not to bore you and cloud you with numbers. Reggie Wayne has more catches than Andre Johnson and Torrey Holt, and those are the guys that he's kind of up against, perhaps this time around. In fact, he has almost 100 more uh, than Holt. He has more receiving yards, and he has more touchdowns in his career. In fact, he is substantially seven more than Holt, 12 more than Johnson. Um, Reggie Wayne made six Pro Bowls. Now Holt and Johnson and made seven, and the argument there is, Kevin, that everyone who's made at least seven Pro Bowls is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so, you know, again, well, what do those guys have to wait? Either way, we know they're all getting in. Now, the biggest item against Wayne would be that Johnson and Holt both led the league in receiving yards and catches twice. So the argument would be made more that at, 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 at any point was Reggie Wayne considered the best wide receiver in the league. Well, you could you could have considered Johnson and or Holt that a couple different times in his career. But, you know, I look at impactful years, not just total years, and they're about the same. You know, Torrey Holt had about 11, what I would say would be high-impact years. Reggie Wayne was right around 12-13, and Johnson was right around 12-13 as well. Uh, But to me, one of the things, and you mentioned, I'm glad you did, being a winner, winning a Super Bowl, uh, and then on top of it, what he did in the postseason, both Reggie Wayne and Holt have that. Uh, obviously over Johnson. And then, you know, it always comes down to, well, Johnson had Matt Schaub uh, as his quarterback. So are you going to say, well, his numbers are skewed because he had Schaub and Reggie Wayne had Andrew Luck and Paid Manning. And we know the greatest show on turf and a revolutionary offense and everything else with Kurt Warner there with the Rams. Uh, to me, I always wonder why you can't put all three in. Uh, but Reggie Wayne more than holds his own. In fact, I think Reggie Wayne has a better resume than than potentially those guys. With that being said, don't you feel like he may have to wait one more year? But if that's the case, I think we can plan that next year Reggie Wayne will be a Hall of Famer. You know, Andy, I think a lot of people would find it kind of wild that Reggie Wayne has 38 more postseason catches than Marvin Harrison. Um, If you look at the resume, again, in the postseason, fifth all-time in catches, Jerry Rice, Travis Kelsey, and then your uh, your Patriots and Edelman and Gronk. Those are the only guys above him on that list. So 
yes, it, it, to me, it, it, unfortunately, and this is kind of the wideout MO. I mean, I was I, I thought it was an absolute joke that Marvin Harrison was not a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, to me, it's like he, that, that dude's got to wait three years to get in right. because they had this wideout. I mean, I think it was Andre Reed, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, got Andre, in before Andre Reed, not, he sat I mean, a while. No. It's because he sat yeah. a while. Yeah, he sat over a decade. Right. But, but to me, like that's I think there should be. You know, the first ballot nature should mean something like if you are an elite player, I don't care if you've got guys in your position group that have sat for a while. If you're elite like Antonio Gates, right, he should be a first ballot this year. Uh, And there I don't know. Maybe there's other tight ends on the list that have waited. But uh, to me, that's just the politics of it that I do not like. Uh, One thing to keep an eye on for this weekend again, Andy, tomorrow we're going to get Lions and Cowboys that will be a Saturday night game for the NFL. Everything else is Sunday. I did want to make sure we mentioned games of note that the Colts would like to see go in their favor. You want Chiefs over Bengals. That is in Arrowhead. That's probably the biggest badly. of all these games. Yeah, badly. Um, you need that badly. Seahawks, Seahawks are at home over Steelers. You would like that as well. And then AFC Southwise, Panthers over Jacksonville. Did I see Trevor Lawrence? I felt like that was kind of conflicting yesterday. He did not practice, right? Uh, let me look. Uh, the, the, the Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the, the, I know the, CJ Stroud. Is he, he did not protocol. practice. Yeah, he did not practice on Thursday. Okay. Did not. Correct. So, so that could be Bryce Young versus CJ Beathard in that one, and then um, Tennessee over Houston. And and again, CJ Stroud has cleared concussion protocol. If you want to get a little bit greedy, you know, New England over Buffalo. But I know in this market, a lot of fans are not going to abide by that whatsoever so uh, those are some games of note for the colts here coming up in week 17 again it'll be matt ryan tiki barber andrew catalan on the call coming up sunday at one o'clock our coverage 9 a.m right here on the fan all right it's always a busy weekend when you get into this final saturday coming up here in the month of december for greg rakestraw i know that's a little hall of fame classic action among other things and we've got a big one for the Sycamores of Indiana State tomorrow. Uh, think back to 1979 with Larry and Magic. Want to toss that rake's way? We'll do that on the other side. It is the wake up call. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. KB and Andy on 93.5, The Fan. Yeah, 8 o'clock hour, hanging on the drivehubler.com studios. I should have looked this up during the break, but uh, I'm not going to lie. Kevin, uh, we're going to do this before Rake comes on because I meant to mention it last segment. Uh, you remember the big tall guy who was at the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame? He used to be the one, the huge guy. He's like a giant. Oh, He's David like Shrek. Baker. Yes, remember he would go knock on your door and tell you you were a Hall of Famer? Right. I, I, I don't even mind uh, admitting this. I find myself being emotional watching those happen every single yeah. time. Like, dude, like yeah, every those, single time. Those were cool. I, I forget who it was. Mike Chappell can speak to this. Honestly, Greg Gregstrom might, might know this. I thought Edron James uh, started to do the, hey, I'm not coming you know, to the Super Bowl site, unless I know I'm in. Like he didn't want to, you know, have think. Yeah, here I am in this hotel room, yeah. and I'm waiting for the knock. I'm waiting. It I'm waiting happens. for the knock. But uh, remember the one they did with Peyton, where they surprised Peyton at. Oh in, yeah. Uh, 
in Denver with his kids running out there and everything? Yeah, that's yeah, that's a great one. I don't know, like it almost brings a tear to my eye every every single time uh, that we saw that he doesn't do he that. He salty. retired. I know, man. He retired. I need to look up how they're going to do it. I I think they're going to like they they need to keep that tradition going. Whoever's going to do it, the knocking on the door, the organic reaction. That's what we need. Anyway, I figured I would uh, mention that. Greg Rangstraw joins us here on this Football Friday on the Fan. He joins us courtesy of the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rake, good morning. Happy holidays. How are you today, man? I'm doing good, my friends. How we doing? Uh, we are doing fantastic. Appreciate you joining us this morning. We were talking about it last segment. Reggie Wayne, Hall of Fame. You think he gets in this time around, or you think he's going to have to wait one more year? I, I certainly hope so. You know, and I mean... It's, it's certainly not a slam dunk. You know, I, I've kind of taken one glance at the candidates and start kind of saying, well, this guy's getting in, this guy's getting in. Obviously, it's kind of been like, hey, we're taking one wide receiver every class because the numbers are so good for all of them. So I am hopeful, but I kind of thought last year was going to be his year too. So uh, fingers and toes crossed for a good buddy of mine. I was fortunate enough to get to do a radio show with Reggie for a couple of different years. Reggie was very much one of the proactive guys in town that had a media presence. So it's not just somebody I covered. It's somebody I know well and consider a friend. So I'm hopeful like I am every year and, uh, and hope this is the year. All right, Rake. Um, am I seeing this correctly? You've got a noon tip against the the winless Detroit. Are they the Titans today? They are the Titans, despite, <laughs> despite the fact they are one of three winless teams currently in Division One men's basketball. So um, th- this is this is one of those games you have to have some heart and dedication to watch. <laughs> Four and eight IUPUI. Three wins against non Division One competition. Oh, and thirteen. Detroit Mercy, only at noon on ESPN+. Plus. Gosh, that is um, – I saw Detroit Mercy was favored. I, I don't know if you're allowed to comment on that, so we'll just move <laughs> on there. But, uh, yeah, that is on here's Red Slate I can, here. Here's what I can up. say to that, Kevin. <laughs> Detroit Mercy is 352 in the net rankings. IUPUI is 358. One spot above Notre Dame, I believe, who we witnessed in person here (laughs) a couple of weeks back. Uh, He is a great, great Greg Straw, Hall of Fame Classic, of course, coming up tomorrow. Definitely want to touch on that. Uh, But I I want to stick kind of the mid-major realm, Rake, and go to Indiana State. And I was listening to you with Josh Schertz earlier in the week. And, you know, when you think to this game, Indiana State against Michigan State, first off, credit to Tom Izzo for scheduling. I think, you know, obviously a very quality opponent, not something you see quite often. If you put it into resume terms, like what, what, like if they win, if Indiana State goes to East Lansing, I know Michigan State has not had you know the same sort of season we thought so far, but right, could they like lose a game or two in the Missouri Valley and still maybe even get an at-large bid? Is is Indiana State built like that type of resume so far? That is absolutely what you are looking at because we have entered this realm now where there's only five or six games that a power four, power five, power six school, however many conferences we throw in that power rating in in men's basketball, will play against competition that's not like them. Because everybody plays 18 or 20 league games at this point. Everybody plays in a rather sizable holiday tournament. And you've got your conference showcase. And you've got your neutral site games, which are all great things. But what it has done is like those five or six games you play against 
mid to low major competitions. Frankly, it's not against the mid major guys. It's the guys that have those net rankings that I just kind of talked about. They are true guarantee games. So it has become increasingly difficult for teams from the Valley, the Mid American Conference, um, you know, the, maybe the Atlantic 10s closer to that power level, the CAA, leagues like that, to get games against major college competition. Indiana State's only loss was to Alabama uh, back on November the 10th. This was a game that, that seemingly kind of came together late in the schedule from what Josh was talking about. They were looking to buy a home game. Uh, what was Indiana State? Didn't work out. Indiana State called. And uh, when you get a, a – it, it's a guaranteed game. So to let people know how this works, Indiana State's getting a check for $100,000 to go play, up and play in East Lansing. And they're hoping to bring a W back home with, you, with them. Um, I do. I think you nailed it. If Indiana State wins this game – I think all of a sudden now there is a chance that the Sycamores don't have to win their conference tournament. Um, I I think they would have to nearly run the table in the Valley to be able to potentially get in the tournament without having to win Arch Madness. Just a sheer number of victories, like 28-29-30, might get them there without having to win three games in three days over in St. Louis. So um, it's it's that is what is at stake. I'm not sure there's a lot of pressure on the state in this game, but there is a massive opportunity that comes with it. Let alone the simple walk down memory lane, you know. And, and when Josh goes, well, Magic Johnson's going to be there on Saturday, and mentions it kind of <laughs> casual. I'm like, yeah, this is kind of a big deal uh, that they're going to have tomorrow afternoon. Indiana State right now, Joey Brackets has them as a 12 seed. Now, he obviously has them as the automatic qualifier. We're talking about can they get in uh, at large. We'll see what happens. But he does have them and has had them in uh, as an NCAA tournament team for many, many weeks. Uh, last college basketball one, KB, you threw this stat out a couple different times this week. You know, if Purdue beats Eastern Kentucky and Purdue's favored by 30 tonight, so they're going to beat Eastern Kentucky. Now, three straight years where they have not lost a game in the non-con, and I kind of said I don't know what's crazier, the fact that they beat all these good teams and great teams, including, what, four or five teams in the top 12 this season, or that they haven't just stubbed their toe, right? They just haven't stubbed their toe uh, before they got to Big Ten play. How unique and how impressive is that streak should they beat Eastern Kentucky tonight? It's a reminder just how good Purdue's been the last three years, and I realize that you know, Sweet 16 and who they lost to, and then obviously what happened in the opening round last year um, has kind of, you know, I wouldn't say put an asterisk on that, um, but it's given people, and I've been guilty of this too, of saying, hey, that's great. Let me see you in March. Um, but we need to enjoy what they have been doing and need to enjoy how good Purdue has been. So that's what that is a reminder of. And again, the the unbeaten non-conference, the quality of schedule is tremendous. That's always been the case. It's a little bit different now when you're playing league games in December. Right. Because there has always been this, we're undefeated undefeated going to January. That's certainly been the case. Obviously, it's not the case this year uh, because of the conference loss at Northwestern. But look at the caliber of resume that Purdue has had so far this year. Eastern Kentucky will not impact that in tonight's game. And again, that's okay because of the quality of competition Purdue has already played. You know, when you play in Maui and you play three top 11 teams, 
when you play Arizona when they're number one and you're not. Um, you know, it's just, again, th- this has been a really spectacular run over the last few years for Purdue. And goodness, I hope it has a different outcome come March and April. I, I, again, let's say this. I hope they're playing in April, which obviously wasn't going to happen or didn't happen the last couple of years. Speaking of the Boilermakers, Greg Rakestraw with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, part of the Hall of Fame Classic coming up tomorrow at Newcastle. That will be Kokomo. That will be Crispus Attics. That will be Brownsburg and Brownstown Central. Rake Jack Benter for Brownstown Central, a little banged up. Did I hear that correctly? Correct. So he has had a couple of different injuries so far this year. The copy of the starting lineups I've got for tomorrow have him in it. I hope that's the case. We were we had Brownstown in Brownsburg. They didn't play Brownsburg. They played in Brownsburg's tournament, the Glicko and Daly Sneakers for Santa shootout. Um, and he did not play against Lawrence North. And Brownstown's just kind of hung on for about a quarter and a half, but 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 LN got past them. Um, Brownstown would have a very good two A team without Jack Benner. When they have Jack, they're one of the best teams in the state, period. They've got other good size to kind of go around him. They then played in what is the best small school tournament in the state before Christmas, and that is the event, the Bobcat Classic, down at North Davies. He got hurt in that and didn't play, I think, either in the last game or in the last couple of games down there. So hopefully, having been off a week, we see Jack because he's the only guy that has a chance of being Mr. Basketball, not named Florida Badunga. And to Brownstown's credit, they have tried to schedule themselves in some really good kind of statewide events to showcase Jack. He's only kind of played in a game or two of those so far. They've kind of got one more of those. They are playing at Carmel in a couple of weeks. We'll ha- I'll have that game as well on ISC and on Indy TV. Uh, but uh, hopefully we see Brownstown Central at full strength tomorrow. Busy. How has Florida Bedunga uh, – sorry, Andy. How has Florida Bedunga looked this year, Rick? Put it in perspective. Um, he hit a couple of jump shots last week in the game against Jeffersonville. And my immediate response is I channeled when Happy Gilmore learned how to putt. <laughs> and I literally go, uh-oh, and then uttered, uttered the rest of that line on TV. I, I, I see his game developing. He's still shooting 83 84%. And there are times when he is such a good kid and a teammate that he doesn't shoot the ball as much as he should. Uh, I think against Fishers, when they got beat by 20, I think Flory shot the ball three or four times the entire game. I didn't I didn't do that game. Uh, we had it on ISC. I didn't know the game played at Southport, and, and I didn't have that one. Um, but, but he continues to get better. And again, last year you would hear me say this, that defensively rebounding passer athletically, he was ready to be a Division One basketball player last year. The thing that needed to work was more of his offensive game. Clearly, that has gotten better. There are times when he will rebound the ball and he will lead the break. And, and you know, the student body is not putting up a stop sign like they would for Forrest Gump. It's okay. Uh, he has that skill set uh, in, in his uh, repertoire now. So, Flory has been fantastic. Uh, they've lost a couple of games. They've lost to two really good teams in terms of Westfield and Fishers. There's some new pieces there at Kokomo. They're getting things figured out. This is a year where I, I think there's 10 to 15 teams in Flory that are all pretty good, and there's not much that separates them. 
and Kokomo is one of them. That feel that Kokomo had in their holiday tournament that, that we did on ISC last Friday and Saturday was really deep and really good. I think Plainfield's a pretty good team. They finished in the seventh place game. Uh, and so I hope that translates to four really good games tomorrow in Newcastle. I asked this with a smile. Uh, how'd my alma mater look? How'd, how'd the old Red Devils look in that game? I know they lost. <laughs> How's Jeff doing? Well, the Red Devils lost, um, but but I was very impressed with them. All right, there you and go. They're a team that can make a deep run. Andy, I'm really? not sure if you've seen this. They got beat on a three-quarter court shot yesterday. <laughs> oh, did so they? No, I didn't know that. They and South Bend Riley were both <laughs> in the Kokomo event. Jeff finished second. Riley finished third. They played each other in Fisher's Holiday Tournament yesterday, which is also an eight-teamer. They played each other the first round. Trey Singleton hits a shot with four seconds to go <laughs> to give the Red Devils a one-point lead. And I don't know the young man from Ryan the hit, but oh. I've seen the video from the end zone. Chuck's one from about 55 and nothing but net. Completely oh, man. Oh, that's no great. No backboard, no rim, no nothing. Oh. Nails it. And, and Riley moves on to the winner's bracket. That's great. Jeff is really good. Jeff has four junior starters. So I think Jeff can make the semi-state round. And if you can hang with Kokomo, you can hang with, with anybody in the state. Cause I, I love the way they play. They're kind of an old-school wow. motion offense, share-the-ball type of team. You can tell Sharon has taken some things from playing from guys like Mike Broughton and Bob Knight over the years. Oh, yeah. And applies that to his coaching staff. So very impressed by Jeff, um, even though they got beat yesterday. They're a, they're a really good team this year. I think they're one of the best teams in the state next year. Yeah, Mike, so hopefully, Mike, hopefully alumni like you are filling yes, the well, Johnson Arena on a regular basis. <laughs> the William S. Johnson Arena. Yeah, Mike Broad, people don't care. He was my he was my freshman uh, algebra te- algebra teacher. But I took boy, I took the dumb math. It may have been pre algebra uh, at that point. Greg Rakestraw <laughs> with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Colts. How do they win? Do you think they bounce back? Uh, and what do you make of this Raider game after the last couple weeks? That Raider defense has really stepped things up. I will keep saying the exact same things I've been saying all year. Colts could win this game. Colts could lose this game. Um, I, I have no idea what to expect in this football team. The only thing that I will offer would be the last time the Colts faced a team that kind of appeared to have a similar DNA it was the Steelers, and they thrashed them. In other words, the Steelers came in with a really good defense and not much in the way of offense, which is kind of how the Raiders have shaped up, and that's not to be of offense to former Purdue Boilermaker Aiden O'Connell, uh, but this is a team that clearly, when you look at that Chiefs game, it was their defense that carried them. I realized the game before the Raiders you know, put up 63 points, it appears the Chargers had rolled over by that point in time. I'll remind you the week before the Raiders lost at home 3 0, uh, to yep. use the soccer terminology, uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. So this is a Raiders team that, again, offensive struggles have been more the norm than, say, they normally would be. So the last time the Colts faced a team like this, they won in terms of beating the Steelers. So um, I, I think this will be an indication of. of Shane Steichen's coaching ability and simply of the guys in the locker room. A lot has been made of, here we go again, look at 2021. Yep. Look at who was the next to last game, next to last opponent. It was the Raiders in this building coached by an interim coach. Now, there is so much that has turned over from last year to this year 
let alone from two years ago to this year, you can say different team, different room, different situation. But for those guys that are back from 2021, let's see how much they have learned from that experience and apply to Sunday afternoon. Rick, my only memory of that 2021 game is Hunter Renfro, fourth down on Kenny Moore. Uh, to ice it, like I, I have no memories of that game. What do do you remember? I mean, not that Colts fans want me to bring that up, but I guess I'm already too deep into it to back out now. Uh, what do you think? Like, what, do I have vivid memories of Carson Wentz? Well, I, 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 what do you remember about that game? You know, in, in my mind, um, the NFL Films 30 minute highlight reel of the 2021 season, the credits roll after the Colts beat the Patriots on Sunday night before Christmas. And I realized <laughs> they won the next game at the Arizona yeah, the Cardinals. Yeah. The Colts were, were really kind of hot garbage other than for one quarter in that game. And they found a way to win. Desmond Patman with the game-winning touchdown. Right. Oh, my sure. God. What a name. Carson that was a great Wentz play by Wentz. In, in, the, in, in the back of the end zone uh, to win mm-hmm. that game. But they didn't play great. They were very mediocre kind of whole home against the Raiders was like, you know what, dude, it's, it's Jacksonville. They're ter- Trevor Lawrence has been awful. They're going to go to Jacksonville and dominate, right? No. And, and that led to the, the winter of discontent that carried over into all seemingly of 2022 uh, for us as Colts fans. So you're right. I actually remember going, well, that wasn't good, but uh, Colts, Jacksonville's <laughs> awful. They're going to go win in Jacksonville, Right. So it's very nondescript would be the memories of that game against the Raiders. You're right about that. Certainly for Colts faithful and Matt Taylor coming up at nine, uh, a lot of better memories coming up for one o'clock on Sunday is the hope here. He is Greg Rakestraw. Again, he's got the game of the century coming up at noon. That would be IUPUI in Detroit. And then tomorrow, a busy slate of the Hall of Fame Classic with Kokomo, Attucks, Brownsburg, and Brownstown Central. Rake, have a great weekend, man. And uh, thanks as always for the time. Happy New Year, boys. Talk to you next year. Greg Rakestraw had him on the bingo card for the Happy New Year. See you next year joke uh, right on cue. There is Greg Rakestraw. Got a question Uh, for you. Yeah. Is that the last great play by Carson Wentz? And I don't mean that to be snarky because I'm not a Carson Wentz fan. Uh, But, I mean, that was the end of 2021. You mentioned, you know, what that was with, what, three, four games to go. And then his he hasn't done anything in the NFL. Was that the last great play by him? Yeah, and it was a great play. I, I actually do have some vivid memories of that play. He kind of rolled to his left. If I'm not mistaken, he escaped the rusher and then found Patman in the back of the end zone. And that was when you know the Colts went through a lot of COVID stuff, right? Sure. That game in Arizona. And then coming back, that was when the NFL changed the rule there where – I forget, and thankfully I do forget how long, you know, how much missed time you, you know, had to have for whatever, a positive test versus not having a positive test. But then they were able to play against the Raiders after that. So, uh, yeah, not a lot of Carson Wentz highlight real moments here late. But as I said to you a few days ago, Andy, and I, I don't wish injury upon anyone, <laughs> but if you're going to tell me I know. we get Eagles-Rams I know. in the playoffs in Philly I need a Matthew Stafford exiting due to injury or or whatever he can he can just take the day off and I need Carson Wentz playing that game. Yeah, I don't I don't need that. I don't need to see the Eagles beat up Carson Wentz. I need to see Matthew Stafford beat the Eagles. So me or you me and you are at odds over this one. I appreciate what you want to see, but I can't have it.
I just can't. Okay. Have. How b- Let me throw this one at you. Okay. Of all the teams right now in the wild card picture. So we're not talking division leaders. Are the Rams most capable of getting on a run? Oh, goodness. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. I mean, you mentioned AFC and NFC. You just AFC, throw, throw NFC, them all together. I mean, people all would, so, you know, right now we're talking Browns. I think people would, would say the Bills. But isn't the NFC maybe, a, I, I don't know, is it a little weaker, a little easier to kind of manage your way through it? I know the AFC might be Probably. kind of two teams and everybody else. But I just think, and you consider Cooper Cup missed time, you consider Stafford missed some time as well. If you look at how they've played lately, you know, that hot team in December, I mean, yes, Buffalo has gotten on a little bit of a roll, but I mean, hell, Buffalo is a field goal away from losing to the Chargers last week. Yeah, I think I think for me, I could go Rams at one and be fine with it. I think if you watch any NFL show, they would go with the Bills, would they not? And then they would start building from there. And then it goes back to the conversation we had at like 7:15. I have no idea what you do with the Cleveland Browns. Like you got to take them, you got to take them for real, like they're for real. Uh, and I say that, and they're probably going to win even 12 games this year. But I mean, they still they they still have a chance to bump Miami now for that two seed. It could still happen. It probably doesn't happen, but it could still happen. But to answer your question, for me, the Rams would be either one or two on that list. You have a Super Bowl winning quarterback and coach. I think you have an elite coach. You have two star wide receivers. You have a couple Hall of Famers on the defensive side. Plus, you're playing pretty good football. I mean, they've they've won, what, uh, five out of six, and the only loss was a six-point loss in Baltimore, 37-31. Otherwise, since that Packers game, there you go, Mark. Since that yeah. Packers game in early November, they've been playing as good as anyone the last month and a half of the season. And again, uh, as Andy said, that Ravens-Dolphins game coming up, that is 1 o'clock on Sunday. That is a huge one when talking about the number one seed here in the AFC. It seems like for like the fifth week in a row, the Colts would travel to Miami to take on the Dolphins if the playoffs were to start today as that 2-7 matchup. It is pretty right, wild uh, that the Browns aren't out of the number one seed. Like, have as tumultuous of a season sure. as they've had, they can easily be the number one seed. They're right there. So, I mean, depending yeah, on this and, and, Ravens-Dolphins result, they could be right in the thick of it. I know I've said this several times, but there is no debate now. Kevin Stefanski's coach of the year. I don't care if D'Amico Ryans wins the last two. I don't care if Shane Steichen wins the last two. I don't care if Dan Campbell wins the last two. Like, to have four different starting quarterbacks and to have won a game with each of those guys, and they are depleted at offensive tackle, no Nick Chubb. I mean, check all those boxes. To me, it is a no-brainer. On that uh, end, even yesterday, they lost Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore. They lost their top two yeah. wide receivers, and they still the, right. destroyed the, the, the Jets. The Elijah Moore stuff was scary. Downright yeah, scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that he was. went down, uh-huh. and, and, he, and he was injured. I hear kids in the background. Is that Max? Is he up? Uh, it, it is probably him. Maybe his cousin Luke. Uh, we, you know, we have a we have a wide range okay. of ages. It's, we have a wide range of kids. We have a wide range of voices we might hear <laughs> in the final ninety minutes. It's of the eight show. o'clock. But they're I, up. They couldn't sleep in another hour. They couldn't. Make, they couldn't. Uh, <laughs> they couldn't. You know, your poor wife. She couldn't get to nine o'clock. Maybe it had to be eight o'clock. Uh, no, it, hell, it's a miracle they made it to yeah, 824 here on this Friday morning. Uh, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joined us at 9. Let's lead off a morning check down with a pretty special performance last night in Chicago. Check 
Yeah, your morning check down 120-104. That's the final last night in Chicago. Back-to-back road wins for your Indiana Pacers. Two games now over 516 and 14 on the year. The story, no doubt, Tyrese Halliburton, 21 points, 20 assists, zero turnovers. The first person uh, since Chris Paul in 2016 to go 20 uh, assists with zero turnovers. Post-game, Rick Carlisle on the big win over the Bulls. Pretty wild game. You know, in their previous nine wins, eight of them were comeback wins. We talked about how when they get down, they're just a tough-minded team. They're going to keep coming at you. They made a furious run, and, uh, you know, our guys responded the best way that you could with poise and aggression and by giving each other energy. This is just all part of becoming a battle-tested team for us. Yeah, pretty good uh, pretty good effort there. Next up for the Pacers, 7 o'clock tomorrow night back in Gamebridge hosting the New York Knicks, who I didn't know. They're on a back-to-back there, so you might right. catch the Knicks uh, in a good spot. Team USA, you have Jalen Brunson and Halliburton. He talked about that post-game, but again, our coverage tomorrow night on the fan beginning at 6.30. What a night for Tyrese Halliburton. Again, that is a video game like for him and a 2020 zero turnover effort. All right, shifting gears here to Sunday at 1 o'clock inside of Lucas Oil Stadium as a three-point favorite. And by the way, shout out to Tim. He points out a Colts Raiders memory from two years ago. Carson Wentz missing a wide-open T.Y. Hilton. Yes, yeah, I, now that Tim does say that, um, I do. If I remember correctly, down the left sideline, down that visiting sideline there, it would have been a huge play. Uh, nonetheless, who cares? Let's move forward. <laughs> Kevin, um, the injury report looks good, Andy. It's a Michael Pittman listed as full yesterday. Braden Smith full. That is Smith's first work in about three weeks. And, you know, I think a lot of people at least have pushed back when I brought up earlier in the week. Okay, can you compare the Braden Smith, Shaquille Leonard situations at all? Again, I asked the question. I don't necessarily or I should say I have a strong answer on it. I can't compare them completely, though, because when Braden Smith has been playing he's still playing at a very high level i cannot say the same thing about Shaq leonard uh with the colts so again looks like good news for braden smith which is absolutely vital against max crosby and then on the flip side of it michael pittman jr as we sit here friday morning 8 30 a.m it's the same thing andy he was a full participant last thursday in practice so again clearance from the independent neurologist normally happens if guys participate fully in a Thursday practice, but still with Pittman's situation last weekend, we probably should hold off on fully committing to him playing uh, until much closer to kickoff. Yeah, moving to the NFL, I'll give you some college football news as well. We've been talking about it. Browns 37-20 winners Thursday night football. Joe Flacco over 300 yards. How about this, KB? 10.7 yards per completion. <laughs> Which is, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's without Amari Cooper and Elijah right. Moore leaving halfway through. Uh, again, they, Against a pretty good defense. It's not like the Jets are awful on defense. I, I will give the Jets this, as big of bums as they are, okay? The Jets got all the way to the second the last game before the defense said to hell with you guys. I thought that would have happened a month ago at least. Don't you love the caveat you just threw out there? As big of bums as the Jets are, (laughs) insert compliment. Yeah, well, I mean, people have to know where I stand. I mean, they they literally, though, I thought this team would spiral and not win six or seven games. They won six. I thought they win a few less, and the reason is the defense would say, to hell with you guys. This offense, Trevor Simeon, you know, Zach Wilson, whoever you throw out there, it ain't going to work. But, yeah, I mean, Cleveland up over 300 yards. They run for over 120. 
25. Their leading receiver, David Njoku, had six for 34. He's become an absolute beast. Uh, your boy David Bell had a couple catches for seven yards last night. So uh, the Browns keep on winning. Last night, you had a bunch of college football. Arizona beat Oklahoma. NC State falls to Kansas State. Boston College over SMU. Rutgers uh, beat mighty Miami. Miami finishes 7-6 and six, uh, on the season. Miami losers there to Rutgers. That sets up, uh, what do we have, four games today. Kentucky-Clemson at noon. The big one, the Sun Bowl. Oregon on, State baby. and Notre Dame. Oregon, uh, I should say, Notre Dame favored by six in that game. That's coming up at 2 o'clock. Iowa State-Memphis at 3.30. Then, then the nightcap, the Cotton Bowl. Ohio State-Missouri. Ohio State favored by about four there. And last thing to note, speaking of colleges back in action from Christmas, it'll be Indiana and Purdue. Again, for Indiana fans tonight, that is a 6 o'clock tip against Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State is kind of decent. Um, Indiana is favored by 11.5. Kennesaw State made the tourney last year. Bunch of transfers. They play a ton of guys. Obviously, the health of Xavier Johnson exiting Christmas. Something to keep an eye on. But as we said earlier, this is a Big Ten Plus game. So if you are an Indiana fan, uh, you're going to have to shell out a little bit of subscription money to watch this one. Purdue is on Big Ten Network. That will be Eastern Kentucky. They're favored by a million. Uh, Eastern Kentucky, uh, several Indianapolis area uh, kids. Tayshawn Comer uh, from Cathedral. Pierce, uh, Pierce Thomas, former uh, Butler player. Played at Brownsburg, Leland Walker from North Central as well. So um, some local connections there. And as Andy mentioned to Greg Reichstraw just a few minutes ago, Purdue with a win would be three straight years undefeated in the non-conference. That is just an astonishing, astonishing figure, especially Andy, in a way, it's kind of like the Halliburton no turnover stat. Like it's not like Halliburton is throwing a bunch of easy passes. It's not like Purdue to steal a line that you said yesterday, it's not like they're Jim Beheiming their schedule here <laughs> exactly. in the non-conference. Well, plus, they're going to win the Big are... Ten. Plus, they win the conference as well. It's not like they go to the Big yeah. Ten and lose six games. That's not going to happen. Just, just a remarkable run for Purdue in the non-conference. So, again, Eastern Kentucky tonight, that is a 7 o'clock tip on Big Ten Network. All right, coming up, we got to make some picks. Colts and Raider. And boy, I got to get a Max Bowen helmet pick, don't I? Uh, that kid's won seven straight. He's up so, right now. I mean, he if he's up, does he want to do it right now, or do you want to you want to do that when you have some time? Maybe you go out to the beach, you see some water, and do it, or or what do you want to do? Or do you want to do it live on the air? I don't know how that would yeah. translate. it's a miracle that I've made it 90 minutes into the show. And it sounds, I think somewhat decent here. So I I don't know if I can juggle act that it will be on social media here uh, at some point later today. Uh, We'll give our picks Colts Raiders coming up here. Matt. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Taylor, voice of the Colts in less than a half hour. 
Matt Taylor going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Voice of the Colts will get his thoughts on what happened last sen- uh, Sunday in Atlanta and what we think could happen with the Raiders game coming up this Sunday, 9 a.m. on Sunday, our coverage between the Raiders and the Colts. KB, are you ready to pick some games? Mark Dykton, are you ready to pick this game on Sunday? Yes. I think I've missed three in a row. <laughs> Well, last weekend I was thinking of taking Atlanta that I switched it to the Colts at the end, so I was kicking myself over way, that. No I, one's paying I, attention. Sc- Come on. I'm scrolling through some of these NFL. Mark, do we like the Bears minus three at home against the Falcons? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. I think I'd stay away from that game. It could be a Justin Fields uh, trial game for the Falcons if they trade for him in the offseason. We'll see. And then the other thing I, that I'm looking at here is if Trevor Lawrence is not playing, Jaguars getting Jaguars are minus six against the Panthers. I don't think, I don't think the Panthers could keep that somewhat close. I mean, you would think so. Jacksonville never wins at home, right? I mean, they never win at home, but it is the Panthers, right? I mean, it is the Panthers. Now, Mark Dykton needs Jacksonville to win more than his Bears. Who yes. cares about his Bears? <laughs> yep. He doesn't want he doesn't nope. want Carolina <laughs> fooling around here at the end of the season and trying to ruin anything. Thing, which I don't think they're going to. But again, the Panthers have two wins and the Cardinals have three wins and the Cardinals are absolutely going to go on the road and lose to the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, you know, that's happening. No, that is a great, great point. I will lead off here for our Colts and Raiders pick. Um, I'm going to go with Colts 2013. I think the Braden Smith, Michael Pittman Jr. availability, uh, likely availability, if you want to even say that, I think is huge. Um, I think you can see Jonathan Taylor have a, a, a moment or two in this game, which we haven't really seen a lot from him uh, in that area. Uh, so I, I think that's a possibility, a little bit freer runner than I thought. Just a hair tentative, and obviously the O-line had some issues last week, which is the biggest um, I think reason for the lack of a run game. And then lastly, I just don't think Aiden O'Connell can test the Julian Blackman absence enough. Um, I, I think if you were playing maybe a more seasoned quarterback or even a more vertical passing game, you'd have concerns there. But I just don't think the Raiders are capable of doing that. Um, so I will go with Colts 20, Raiders 13. Yeah, I'll go next. I guess I'm going to ride with the Raiders on this one. Uh, The last couple weeks, I've leaked confidence on what to do with the Colts. They've been up and down. They've lost a game where they've looked bad. They've responded where they looked great. Uh, And then they came back to earth, I would say, in Atlanta. And what I mean by that is some of the guys that played so well against the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't have the same mojo in that second game. Uh, So I'm going to go Raiders 24-23. Um, I'm going to have you know kind of a, a near the end of the game game winning field goal is going to have is going to be how I have this one looking out. You know, if you look to me, you mentioned Jonathan Taylor. Something I didn't know. Looking at ESPN, the last three times he has faced the Raiders, he's went over a hundred yards, sixty two rushes, four hundred and five yards, and four scores yeah. uh, in those three games. Can he do that here? I, I think what worries me is. Is Pittman going to play? I feel confident he's going to play, but I felt confident last week that he was going to play. So, so picking, if he plays, do you still go Raiders? 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. But if I knew he was you know, downright healthy, I, I, it would probably sway me just a little bit because they don't look that bad last week, right? They don't look that bad if Michael Pittman's out there. So the Pittman stuff worries me. Uh, and it just worries me that secondary has been strong. The defense the last couple weeks for the Raiders has been strong. Do they make life difficult? Because, you know, even with Pittman, people know how to play the Colts. You know, Coach Venturi's talked about this, that bear defense, uh, you know, put those corners on an island, which the Raiders can do, and see if Minshew can go down the field, stop the run, and make them play kind of in front of you. Uh, that's going to be what I think they're going to want to do. That defensive line's playing well. If Minshew can go out and have a special moment, they can win the game. I really am interested, though, if the Colts are going to be able uh, to run the football. I do tend to agree with you that Aiden O'Connor O'Connell is not going to be able to burn the Colts, that he's not going to be able to expose that uh, injury and absence to Julian Blackman. Uh, In the end, I'll go Raiders. I'll go a close game. And we walk in here on Tuesday wondering, hey, are the Colts going to be out of the playoffs? They probably would be. We'll see what happens, though, this weekend. 24-23 is going to be my final. Let's hope the Colts have the Steelers game on loop this week in the film room uh, containing... T.J. Watt, like they did, hopefully they can do the same for Max Crosby, get a solid offensive line performance, and then just torch their defense. I've got the Colts. They've got a chance to get to 500 at Lucas Oil Stadium, which is something that has been a struggle for a while. pretty good. Give me the Colts 23-17 to beat the Raiders this week. Uh, KB, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If there was something in your analysis, whether it be the Raiders or the Colts, but in the game that you think you could be wrong about what would it be? And to give you time to think, I I think for me, am I overrating what that defensive front for the Raiders has done the last couple weeks? And given that we haven't seen Braden Smith in almost two months, it seems like, uh, or not much, I should say, in the last couple months, I I guess I'm not factoring in how big of a deal that will be on Sunday. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I kind of go a similar thought, but flip it. You know, for me, I've brought up when the O-line has been healthy and played pretty much the entire game, the Colts have had great results. Go back to Tampa a month ago. That was a really good run defense. Todd Bowles is known as a great, you know, run defense coach. uh, And that's really been the one time outside of Pittsburgh you've really ran it super effectively over the last couple of months. Uh, And then I go back to Baltimore earlier in the year when you also kind of controlled the trenches in that game. So um, that may be something I'm overrating. It's like, again, Max Crosby, there's a reason there's another X on that name, and we'll see if we can edit the Max Bowen birth certificate at some point here. Uh, maybe if he earns it. I Maybe you have to earn the second X. Uh, Max Crosby's earned it. Uh, he's a hell of a player. Shane Steichen was you know, pretty abusive in his praise for Max Crosby earlier this week, so that might be the one. Too much credit to Braden Smith. Too much credit to this O-line responding like they did from Cincinnati to Pittsburgh. That would be where I would point. But I will say, you said last second field. Well, Daniel Carlson, uh, I've had him on the old fantasy team. That, that, that dude's got a booming leg mm-hmm. uh, and has made some big kicks when the Colts and Raiders have matched up here in years past. All right, more on this coming up with Matt Taylor. That will be at 9 o'clock. On the other side, it was a video game night, literally, I guess, day yesterday for Tyrese Halliburton and then night. We'll explain more. Didn't look like Tyrese was going to play. Then all of a sudden, thanks to a little Mario Strikers, not only does he play, he has a night for the ages in the NBA. We'll touch on that next. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's a wake-up call with KBN. Coming up in about 10 minutes, voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor will join us here. It's a wake-up call hanging out with you on a football Friday. We will dive, of course, back into the Pacers here in just a second. For people that don't know, and I'm glad that Mark Dighton gave us a heads up, uh, that intro music, KB, that was the Super Mario Strikers uh, theme song. Okay, so so you guys are going to have to help me. I don't know anything about the Super Mario Strikers. What is it? Soccer? It's a soccer game, yeah. So they have like a the 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 Mario brand has sprayed to all fields. There's Mario sure. Kart. There's all these other sure. ones. So now they have Super Mario Strikers, uh, which is a soccer game on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. So you're playing with like Mario and all those guys, but you're playing soccer. You can go online and play against other teams and everything else. I have not played this. Apparently, it soothed the back of Tyrese Halliburton <laughs> last night, so he could go out and have an historic night and not do something or do something you know that hasn't been done since 2016. You know, it, it was so funny. So the show obviously ends at 10 yesterday. Pacers have a walkthrough right after our, our, our show. And, you know, all of a sudden Halliburton pops up on the injury report with the back. Like, you know, basically Carlisle said after the game last night, Andy, like he couldn't move at the walkthrough. And so to alleviate it, to relieve it, certainly there was some medical attention. But he literally said that he went back to his hotel room. <laughs> and I, I forget the staff member, Isaac something or other, him and Halliburton are deeply into Mario Strikers. They have a full season mode going. This literally sounds like me on Christmas break in seventh grade. It like really does. NCAA football 2002 here, dynasty mode. Um, and they said that they played Mario Strikers standing up, which helped out his back. He, ele- he said he put the suitcase under the desk, elevated the desk to play Mario Strikers, and... Video game by day, video game numbers by night. <laughs> twenty was it twenty one points? Was that the final? I, it I, the, was. Yeah, twenty one points. Point total. 20 I don't assists. really care too much about. Yeah, twenty one points, twenty assists, zero turnovers. I, I just, I'm at a loss for words, Andy. When you look at those numbers, like it's been done once in the history of the NBA, and that was Chris Paul before last night. I mean, it's it's absurd, incredible, insane, special whatever the word is to describe it. And lo and behold, last night you blow the big lead, you're down three. And just like we saw with the Rockets game, when things started to leak in the fourth quarter, Rick Carlisle said, enough's enough. I can't keep you on the bench any longer. Boom. Halliburton goes back in the game, assist to Buddy Heald for a three. And then the Pacers go on. Uh, I think it was about like a 10 0 run, something like that. And then they were in control the rest of the way. So uh, the guy is a special talent, uh, bar none. And it sounds like he's a pretty good Mario striker as well. Yeah, I've never played this game. I'm going to have to start playing this game at, at some point. I, I've loved Mario Kart, all the different Mark, renditions. Is this for kids? Yeah, yeah, it's a soccer game. Yeah, we, it's, it's okay. fun. It's all, the, it's all the Mario characters, nephew- and they just have. You know, different power-ups and stuff, but they play soccer. Okay, so my nephew just got a Nintendo Switch. Should I oh, ask yeah. him about it? Oh, yeah. He'll know about uh-huh. it. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, right. I mean, there's well, no doubt he'll he's gonna know. If he about comes it. around the corner in the next few minutes, we might need to get him on air to discuss. <laughs> You're damn right. Quickly, here's Rick Carlisle. Surprised Halliburton even played last night. I was surprised that he played based on how he was presenting this morning. But uh, you know, we've got the best medical staff in the league. They were able to to figure out the problem and get it corrected. And um, obviously, he he did well. I love that Rick Carlisle, he used the word how he presented this morning. How do you present uh, each morning? Uh, I guess we see you, so I guess, we, well. I guess we would be the ones that would be able uh, to answer that. I just think, listen, KB, I just think this team, I mean, to me, they just steadied their season a little bit, didn't they? They've been wobbly here as of late, and if you, you know, even if you win one or two, I guess that would have been fine. You get the split on the road, but you you beat Houston. Uh, you really take care of Houston, and then, you're right, Chicago, you're up 24, boom, you're down three in less than a quarter, and you come back, you make a big run, and you win by 16. Now you come back home. Uh, the Knicks are going to be on that back-to-back. Perhaps you can steal one there. You know, they're going to be uh, a playoff team as well. They just needed to steady things, uh, and they did. And I gave you the stat. You know, last night was so great by by Halliburton. Hell, look at the last three games. 83 points, 45 assists, uh, and six turnovers. Uh, he has been great these last three games. I will say, and I was wondering what you thought what you would think about this, Kevin. Uh, And this is not me nitpicking Halliburton. He had six threes last night of his 21, okay? He had one free throw. So he had six uh, three-pointers. And I don't know if this is defenders and this is the defense, you know, locking in on him, whatever it may be. I, I'm interested, and I think another star would do this. Having a you know having a uh, a Robin to the Batman, and we've talked a lot about that here on the program. Is how how does Carlisle find? Maybe we'll ask next week. How does Carlisle find easier shots? for Halliburton. Can he find him at the rim? Can he find, not mid-range, because the mid-range game, for the most part, is gone in basketball, unless you're like Virginia basketball, right? Uh, But how does he find something that isn't a 27-footer? I'm interested in that because, you know, I mean, he made 6 of of 13. If you're off a little bit, how can you get him easier shots? To me, that will be something down the road I'll be looking forward to. All right, you want a horrible analogy that I actually thought I, I, I agree Agreed with a few weeks back. So I'm watching the Browns game. Actually, I think it was Mark's Bears against the Browns. Mark Sanchez is doing the game, okay? Yep. And they're leading into the game, and obviously Flacco is who they, you know, whatever, they they, they feature. And he is comparing Flacco to parents utilizing the elf on the shelf around Christmas time, okay? <laughs> and he's saying that, and I'm nodding my head at this as he starts to explain it, and I've really never seen or heard Mark Sanchez do many games, so I was like, wow, this is actually, you know, the, there's some intelligence there out of the USC a human. He basically was saying that Flacco is the calming influence. The elf on the shelf appears, and all the kids' behavior woes go away. And you know what? I thought about that last night when Halliburton came back in the game. I'm like, this is Rick Carlisle looking to his bench and saying, there is the elf on the shelf. It's chaotic. We're struggling. We're about ready to blow this. Very similar to to Tuesday night in Houston. Elf on the shelf, you go in the game, and the nine other guys on the court, they all have to pay attention to you. Horrible analogy, or do you think it's decent? a couple turns to get there. Uh, it all started with the Sanchez himself. Are you surprised? Like even you know, this is what three games in a row. T.J. McConnell hasn't played. 
Is that surprising well, at all? And it, it was a question I tossed to Scott Agnes yesterday of, is this now what we're going to see? I mean, again, the starting lineup changes. You've gotten bigger. Andrew Nemhard, of course, had missed all that time yep. uh, earlier this month. Now he's back. Um, what do you do with McConnell in the next month and a half? And you use the phrase kind of steadying the ship a little bit. I agree, but I also think there's something to like steadying the ship, I think, comes with a little bit of a negative connotation. Like you just survived, you know, it like, oh, you know, boy, you know, whatever. Purdue has gotten out around one of the tournament and that's all you want to say about that game. They have held five straight at teams to less than 120. That means something. It does. Right. Because, again, you made a conscious change after the Clippers game. Finally had that practice when we had Carlisle on a few weeks ago. They hadn't practiced in a while. Again, get a little bigger in the starting lineup. Reward Aaron Neesmith. Reward Jalen Smith. Last night, you allow 104. That's a season low. Uh, and again, five straight of teams holding teams to less than 120, which I know that number might not resonate. That's a big number for the Pacers. We've said all along, you, you just don't be terrible right. defensively. Don't you be the worst. Be bad. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Don't be terrible, and they've been, you know, above average, really, over the last five games on the defensive end of the floor. So I do think that is something to keep an eye on. All right, on the other side, voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He would probably appreciate the elf on the shelf analogy there. Uh, We will talk to Matt Taylor next. One more hour to go. One more hour. Get you into the weekend. Hopefully everyone, of course, had a great Christmas. New Year's. Uh, We'll be back again. No show on Monday. Back at it on Tuesday. And as always, broadcasting live from the drivehuber.com studios. You miss anything, check us out. 1075thefan.com or download the app. Uh, Listen live, podcasts, blogs, and much more. 1075thefan.com. All right, let's get to Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts here on this football Friday, a big one there. Pre-game coverage beginning 9 a.m. right here on the fan between the Colts and Raiders. Matt, a good morning and a happy holidays to you. How are you, my man? I'm good, fellas. What's going on? Happy New Year. Yeah, well, thank you for joining us. KB, do you want to do this? Uh, Kevin just made a uh, an analogy that he used elf well. <laughs> he used elf on the shelf, and we always ask Matt Taylor for an analogy. So do you want to start there, Kevin? Do we want an yeah, analogy yeah. from Matt? And just in case we're putting Matt on the spot, Matt, let me explain um, here. Okay, so I'm watching Browns and Bears a few weeks ago, and all of a sudden Mark Sanchez is comparing Joe Flacco to the elf on the shelf, saying that he is the calming influence. All parents can nod their heads around the United States, around the world uh, at Joe Flacco being the calming elf on the shelf for the Cleveland Browns. And I said, in a way, uh, Tyrese Halliburton's got that vibe for the Pacers. Chaos is happening. The lead is evaporating. Rick Carlisle says, Elf, number zero, you go in the game and you calm everything down. As the man that gives us an analogy every Friday with the Colts, yay or nay? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm there. Listen, who, who am I? Who am I to judge a cheesy analogy, all right? I mean, me of all people, I can, I can certainly uh, nod my head with that. It's not where I would have gone. I don't think I ever would have thought of that, but 
Um, yeah, Mark Sanchez might be having some little kids and, yet, you know, trying to find some creative different ways to, uh, you know, get the elf and shelf and the shelf involved this holiday season. So, <laughs> hell yeah, I'm here for it, man. I mean, what do you guys think? I think it's pretty good now that well, I have some time to have it resonate I, a little bit. I sensed a skeptical tone in your voice when you first offered the answer. I think those actions speak loud. That was a Peyton Manning body language. <laughs> Told me everything on the Manning cast. I don't need to hear your words. That was an audio That was an audio shrug of the shoulders, I guess. That's what <laughs> now, having said that what do you got for us coming up sunday at one o'clock you know for for this game you know to me if if the raiders win this game that's the equivalent of having like a couple of extra hundred dollars um in your bank account right here at the beginning of the month right the first of the month so the rent is due or the mortgage is due and if the raiders win this game man all of a sudden that mortgage comes out of your bank account and you're scraping by with just a couple extra hundred bucks for the next you know two weeks before you get paid again that's what this is you know you're you're not you're not completely dead in the water you're not completely you know financially sunk but man you're in trouble raiders win. yeah if the raiders win this game you're going to need a boatload of help, and you're going to be scraping by, and you're going to need a lot of things to go your way in order to survive and hopefully make the playoffs. That's that's my analogy for this week. I, I like that one. That's a good one. I like one. it. Yeah, that's KB, that's a good one. He's he's clutch. Yeah, Matt, that's one of his better ones. It really is. Matt Taylor with us, Payless Liquors Hotline. Let me ask you this. You know, you go through a schedule, and then it changes, you know, midway through the year when you see, well, this team's better than I thought, or this team's worse, and, and no doubt, you know, there's some people that thought the Colts an easy win and you know you end up losing to the Colts uh, the Raiders are one of those teams for me I mean we're a couple weeks separated Matt from this team losing 3 nothing to the Minnesota Vikings over 80 points the last two weeks at defense has been wreaking havoc how much I guess and I ask you know a few different people this this week how much the last couple weeks has it changed your thoughts on what we may see on Sunday you know, I think they're very formidable. I mean, I think they're playing some really good football right now. They're inspired. You know, they're motivated to, to play well. Um, for Antonio Pierce, I think a lot of the guys inside that locker room like playing for him. You know, they like the culture that he has instilled in a short amount of time. They want to see him get the job on a long-term basis. Um, so with that in mind, they're, I think they're a completely different football team just sort of um, you know, motivationally, um, I think just they've, they've got a lot of um, inspiration to play well for him. Um, but, but I think also, too, you know, the things that plagued them early in the season, I wouldn't say they've completely rectified them, but, you know, their problems in the first eight games aren't sort of their problems now. I mean, specifically, if you look at the running game, you know, I know uh, for, for, the, for the entire season, right, totality of the year, they still rank 31st in rushing. But under Pierce, they're running the ball well. They're taking the ball away. Um, you know, they're stopping the run for the most part. They're getting takeaways. I think right now their their uh, turnover margin uh, under Pierce in the last seven games is plus five, whereas under McDaniel's it was really really bad. It was in the negatives there. Um, so I mean, a lot of those things are kind of circumstantial, right? You can't really. Uh, point to all of those things directly to just the, the change of the head coaching position, but it does tell you that guys are are fighting, um, and they do kind of believe the, the, the tone that they're getting now from a different voice. But again, I, I think you know, offensively, they're not going to be confused with you know, the best offenses in the NFL, right? They're not San Francisco or Dallas or Philadelphia or Kansas City. 
Um, but what they are getting right now from their from their offense is the running game. Again, they're 31st in the NFL in rushing for the entire season, but they have been over 100 yards in five of their last seven, and they're leaning on that part of the offense here in this two-game winning streak. They gashed the Chargers, and they really put it to the Chiefs last, uh, or I guess on Monday on Christmas Day. You know, they ran for a season high 157 against the Chiefs, and that was huge, obviously, in a game where you know, Aiden O'Connell doesn't complete a pass past the first quarter. Um, it's really, really interesting right now. If you look at their running, and I've, I've completely nerded out on this, and I apologize, but this is something that I found just really interesting about this team and kind of going through their game logs and tracking things and, and trying to find some trends. When they're able to rely on the running game and when they're able to have success in that part of their offense, they're almost unbeatable. And it sounds weird to say, but when they, uh, when they are able to afford themselves to take the pressure off the quarterback, when they're able to um, you know, take control of the game, play from advantage, they're kind of like the Tennessee Titans in that regard. Hmm. And a really, really weird stat, but it, it, it just really stood out to me. When they have at least 26 attempts in a game, right, when they have at least 26 rushing attempts in a game, they are 7-0. and When they're under 26 rushing attempts, they are 0-8. So wow. maybe that's a little bit of coincidence, hmm. uh, but I really don't think that it is. I mean, they, they are a team that, you know, they don't have a ton of playmakers. I mean, I know they got Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, but it's not like they're, they're so deep at the skill spots like the Chiefs and some other teams. I mean, they want to be able to run the ball to take pressure off of the quarterback. And when they have success running the ball, again, they're, they're damn near unbeatable. And that's, that's been the Achilles heel of this Colts defense is stopping the run, you know, in the last two and a half months. He is voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Again, Colts and Raiders coming up 1 o'clock New Year's Eve afternoon. Our coverage will begin at 9. Matt, you've laid out the difference, and I think it's important that you bring up those numbers. There's some really great numbers. Life with Pierce versus life with Josh McDaniels, it's much different. I do think specifically to these last two weeks, though, with the Raiders – the defensive scores, isn't that a bit fluky? Like, isn't that, you know, when I look back to the Chargers game and I look back to the Chiefs game and the stat the NFL sent out this week, which was shocking to me, first team in NFL history to have back-to-back games with two defensive touchdowns, I'm kind of thinking, you know what? Like, that that is not something you can guarantee. Like, I don't right. think that that, you know, you can't just kind of write that down on paper. Like, maybe you can, you know, write some other stuff down. So, yes, they have stars, the rushing numbers, like you said. But I do feel like for Colts fans looking for, like, hope of, like, okay, what could happen on Sunday – you'd like to think you're not going to give the Raiders two scores via defensive touchdowns like these last two opponents have. No, that's exactly right. I mean, you, you can't count on, you know, four defensive touchdowns in the last two games. I mean, no. you know, one of those one of those was kind of a ball-handling error by Patrick Mahomes. The ball just fell right into the, the lap of Bilal Nichols as he runs in eight yards untouched to the end zone. I mean, that was just a, a gift-wrap touchdown. The other one was a horrible throw by Mahomes. Where Jack Jones, you know, comes in there, snares it away, and, and takes it down the sideline for a touchdown. Those are kind of easy layups. Those are more mistakes um, by the Chiefs' offense than they were great plays by the Raiders' defense. But they were they were plays made, and and you know you're never going to apologize for a win, and you're never going to apologize for getting touchdowns by the defense. 
So, yeah, I think as long as the Colts take good care of the football in this game and they're smart with it and they don't put it in harm's way and they don't get behind the chains, right, they're not facing third and long against that pass rush, you know, and you, you make the Raiders, you know, have to just beat you straight up, play offense to beat you, that should bode well for the Colts. But, you know, their, their pass rush is – it can wreak havoc on you and it's good enough to force you into some turnovers. That, to me, was the part of that Chiefs game, just kind of watching it in the background, you know, on Christmas Day or among all the hustle and bustle. That that was the, the part of the game I was most impressed by from the Raiders. It's just they had such good, you know, lane integrity. They had such good uh, pass rush discipline where they just kept pushing Mahomes further and further away from the line of scrimmage. They didn't get, you know, seven and eight sacks. They got them four times, but – he just kept having to, you know, wheel his way out of traffic or baseball turn his way like a center fielder away from a pass rusher. And then, boom, there's another one in his face coming from the other side. So I was really impressed with just their discipline up front with Crosby and Kuntz. I mean, Kuntz has five sacks in the last two games combined. So they're very formidable and they're dangerous enough to you know, force you into some, some bad mistakes and then to you know, take the football away. That's what the Colts have to be leery of in this game because I think if they take good care of the ball and they're able to run the ball against the Raiders they should be able to beat them straight up because I just just think they're a better team they've got better personnel up front on both sides of the ball Matt Taylor with us here on the fans of football Friday joins us on the pay less liquors hotline uh I mean, Michael Pittman Jr. being back, Braden Smith being back. Boy, if you can lock it up and those guys can stay healthy. We know what happened with Pittman, the uh, the brain injury, the concussion, the last couple weeks. We saw what that offense looked like or didn't look like without Pittman. But if you bring Braden back, you bring Pittman. Boy, we can get to Julian Blackman here in a second. But that offense suddenly gets a lot healthier. Zach Moss, you would imagine, would play as well. How big would those additions be? especially we know the Colts, much like the Raiders, they need to be able to run the ball better than they have maybe, you know, two of the last three weeks. I mean, all of those are huge. I mean, I don't know if you're ranking them, how you uh, decipher the the order of the priority in terms of uh, who who being back is is more significant for this offense because they're all really, really important. You know, Braden Smith coming back is big off the edge because – Max Crosby primarily lines up on the defense's uh, left side, which means he's going to be paired up against the right tackle. So it'll be really big to get Braden Smith back in this game. And then we saw what the offense looked like last week without Michael Pittman Jr. I mean, I saw something the other day that really stood out to me. I mean, Pittman's got 99 catches on the season. He's got his, his catch total is more than Josh Downs and Alec Pierce's seasons combined. Um, so that's that's really really um, I don't know if it's if it's a troubling step, but that's the reality of where the Colts are this season in terms of their reliance on number eleven. You know, getting some big catches, moving the sticks, and you know, just having contested catches that that are timely for this offense. I mean, we saw what it was like. You know, last Sunday the Colts couldn't push the ball outside the numbers, and they couldn't push the ball vertically, and therefore everything from the defense from Atlanta was near the line of scrimmage. The Colts couldn't run the ball, and you know, on the inside of that defense between the guards, um, it was just really tough sledding. It was like playing the game on a 15 or 20 yard field, uh, considering the lack of pop the Colts had in that game without Michael Pittman Jr. And then the running game too gets solidified with you know Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss potentially back in the backfield at the same time. So um, 
Yeah, again, and I don't know how, I don't know how you rank those th- three things, but I mean, I think just Braden Smith being back up front really, really helps and, and should give you some, um, you know, should, you should sleep better at night if you're Shane Steichen, knowing that you're going to have, you know, a six-year pro trying to slow down one of the best edge rushers in the game. He's got 13 and a half sacks. And the thing about Crosby, you watch him, they split him out so wide sometimes away from the tackle so he gets that harsh a harsh edge, harsh angle towards the quarterback. And if he doesn't have it initially, he's not afraid to dip inside and, and kind of twist and stunt inside towards a, a guard where, you know, a player like Will Fries has to pick him up. So, um, you know, offensive line wise, they got to be on their P's and Q's because they got Koontz, they got Nichols, and they've got certainly Max Crosby all wreaking havoc. It's going to be really big to have, you know, communication and a lot of experience on the right side of that offensive line in this game. He is voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Colts a slight favorite in this one coming up Sunday, 1 o'clock against the Raiders. Last one from me, Matt. Obviously, you mentioned the good injury news this week with Braden Smith and Michael Pittman Jr. seemingly trending in the right direction, if I could steal a phrase from Chuck Pagano. Uh, We did see Julian Blackman go on injured reserve, though, earlier this week. Uh, Where do you think Blackman's loss will be felt the most? And, And could it be a little bit like almost not even showing up in the box score if you catch my drift a little. Yeah, well, ho- hopefully it, it, it doesn't show up. But, I mean, I think the things that you sort of take for granted when you have you know, a player like Julian and his personality and his experience and just his savviness is just getting guys lined up and having sort of that sixth sense, that, that, that instinctual um, ability about him. You know, he just had – He's just really, really smart, right? He's a brilliant player, you know, cerebral. Um, and I just think that that comes from playing. But I just think that's more, it, it speaks to his passion for the game, um, his nose in the playbook, watching hours upon hours of film. Um, and again, I, I mentioned his personality. He's just a really overly communicative guy. And he's a leader by nature. And again, not that Nick Cross doesn't have all of those things, but Julian is just a special, special guy. And the unfortunate part uh, of the timing of this for Julian, as you guys know, he's going to be a free agent. And so his future here in Indianapolis is kind of murky, right? He's going to be a free agent coming up in the spring, and the Colts have a hard decision there because they've got the financials of an experienced player, but also at the same time we've drafted at that position. We've got Rodney Thomas. We've got Nick Cross. We're going to be younger they're going to be cheaper, um, and the reality is they don't have the injury history that Julian does, and I know he hates to hear that, but that's that factors into all this as well. Um, but I, I love Julian as a person. I love him as a player. He was just an Iron Man for this team. I think prior to last week, he only missed, only missed two snaps on the season. He does all the dirty work, and Kevin, I think you're spot on. When you bring up all of the intangibles, um, that he does that don't show up in the box score. Hopefully, that those are things that the Colts are not going to miss without having a, a really, you know, all things considered, still a very young player in Nick Cross playing uh, at, at safety coming up on Sunday. I mean, for Cross, he's still only 22 years old. Last year, he was barely 21. I think he turned 21 at the beginning of the season. So this is still going to be his only his third start of his career. His first since week two of last year. I think he's light years um, ahead of where he was, uh, certainly at the beginning of last season in terms of comfort and the trust the coaches have in him. 
but I think you're still going to be missing something intangibly and, and from a leadership standpoint without Julian Blackman. Um, but I'm rooting for Nick Cross. I think he's a good kid, and I'm, 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 I'm hoping for his sake that he can come in, play at a high level, and, and not have that big drop-off just in terms of communication and schematic lining up, if you will, um, with, with him being out there. I think he and Ronnie Thomas compliment one another. But, again, from a personal level, not having Julian Blackman out there, that's really, really disappointing because he was just having a great season heading into a contract year. Yeah, I mean, I brought up the story earlier in the week, Matt. I remember Gus Bradley sharing a conversation he had with Philip Rivers about Rivers' impressions with the Colts in the one season he was here. And the guy that Rivers first mentioned, it wasn't Buckner, it wasn't Leonard, it wasn't Kenny Moore, it was Julian Blackman as a, as a mm-hmm. rookie safety coming off the ACL, didn't practice a whole lot in that offseason program. Again, the COVID year, you know, that's the guy you know that, that, that Rivers mentions first. So, um, I know he's not a name we discuss a whole, whole lot. It's probably the first time, hell, I've asked you about him on one of these Friday segments. But I am curious, the well, loss of him, the domino effect of that. And, and I do feel like I don't know if the Raiders can test that. But again, I think there are some ways that maybe you don't see as obvious in the box score that you will feel Blackman's loss. Well, and I, I think I think you're exactly right. And I think the reason, I mean, you say we don't spend a lot of time talking about him is because – He's always there, and he always does his job. I mean, he's kind of yes. like an mm-hmm. offensive lineman. The only reason why you're not, you're, you're, the only reason why you're going to talk about an offensive lineman is if you know things are going negatively, right? If things are going poorly, if he's doing his job, you know, he's kind of like out of sight, out of mind because the offensive line is performing well. That that's that's Julian Blackman. Yeah. He does. He's the seventh job inning so reliever well. that keeps the lead. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, and and again, he had been such a consistent force for the Colts in the secondary. Um, you you kind of took him for granted a little bit just because he was always there. And, you know, you talk about just his leadership and, uh, again, his his just innate ability to, to communicate. I mean, there were times, and Kevin, I'm sure you've seen this or noticed this, you know, especially in the spring when it's not as uh, intense or when there's not as many, you know, media people out there. You know, in the spring and OTAs, you know, the, the Colts are practicing on that, that one field that's closest to the building where the media can, can be out there and get a good uh, view of, of things going on at practice. I mean, you always hear one voice. And it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. one guy just sort of screaming, and you hear this one voice above everything else out there, and it's Julian Blackman because he just has that, again, that sixth sense of, of leadership that – natural leadership quality about him where he's just talking and getting guys lined up and he's not afraid of it and he's just that that's just who he is from a from a you know player standpoint um those are the things you hope that nick cross can pick up in short order with two games to go and then how big and how critical these last two games are for the colts now i think that's well said matt taylor voice of the colts again one o'clock coming up on sunday it is colts and raiders from lucas oil stadium mate do we get do we know when we're going to get a kickoff time for colts texans is that going to be some uh, – do we have to wait till Monday? Surely not. Sometime on Sunday, I w- right? I would suspect – I mean, the last time the Colts were in this situation, if memory serves, it was 2018, right? Remember that winning your end game between the Colts and the yeah, Titans, Titans that year? Yeah, I, I think I think we knew – I think we knew like at halftime of the Sunday night game of the week before that. So I think you're going to know before you go to bed on Sunday night what time that Colts-Texans game is. As we wait for the ball to drop then on New Year's Eve. Uh, Mate, have a great call, man, coming up on Sunday, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you Friday. 
All right, my pleasure, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to Matt Taylor right there, voice of the Colts coming up here. Again, we do not know the time. And, Mark, feel free to chime in. I know you have discussed this as well. And, Andy, we will get two Saturday games next weekend, but we're thinking that will not involve playoff teams. If it does, it'll be, you know, games with very low stakes, like, you know, Game teams that have already seeding, clinched or like right? yeah seeding yeah, did, or something like that. We had the Eagles and somebody last year, and then you, we had a we had a bum game. It, kind it was of. Chiefs Broncos yeah. last year for the Chiefs to clinch the first overall seed, and then it was Eagles and Cowboys. But I think that that was basically just a seeding game. So the uh, high impact playoff scenario games are going to be Sunday, and more more specifically, they'll probably be the late window and Sunday night games that have the most playoff implications on them. Okay, so yeah, that'd be something, again, to keep an eye on uh, Colts and Texans. Certainly, again, no matter what happens Sunday, the Colts cannot clinch and they cannot be eliminated. So, so much of their playoff stake is going to come down to what happens in Week 18. All right, uh, pop quiz in a few. 317-239-1070 for that. Let's do a morning check down. Yeah, let's start with the Pacers. 120-104. Winners, they gave up a 24-point lead in the third quarter. Trailed by three in the fourth quarter. Came back and won by 16. Two in a row now on the road for the Pacers. Above 500, they moved to 16 and 14. The story, though, last night, Tyrese Halliburton, 21 points, 20 assists, zero turnovers. The second player in NBA history to go for 20-plus assists without a turnover. The other to do it, Chris Paul back in 2016. Here's Halliburton post game on his big game. It's cool. That's cool. Um, I just have done, done a terrible job taking care of the ball lately, so it's good to see zero turnovers again. And like I said, you don't get 20 assists without guys making shots. So just, you know, spreading, spreading the ball around. The guys are making shots for me. A lot of different guys contributed. Of course, he had the back injury. Wasn't sure if he was going to play. Played, what was it? I've already forgotten. The Mario, Super Mario Strikers. Strikers. Yeah. Yeah, he played that, and uh, he was good to go last night. Next up, for the Pacers hosting the Knicks tomorrow night, 6.30 hour coverage here on The Fame. You know, you go back and you watch that sequence, Andy. It's 93-90. You've lost your 25-point lead. Turner has a big block. I think it was on Patrick Williams. That starts a break. It's Halliburton back in the game right right then. Finds Buddy Heald for a three. Halliburton makes back-to-back threes then himself. Um, it, it's just amazing how quickly him back in the lineup reignited things for the Pacers. Um, all right, Colts injury report. Final practice of the week coming up here in a few hours. Again, it is promising for Braden Smith right now and for Michael Pittman Jr. Certainly Pittman's case a little bit different considering you know this is concussion protocol. He obviously had the late scratch last week on a Saturday. So Shane Steichen hopefully will clear that up here in a bit. But Braden Smith, full participant. We should mention Zach Moss has mm-hmm. also practiced this week after missing last week. So things look to be good on that front. And for the Raiders, Josh Jacobs, one of, I think, the more dynamic runners in the league. He has not practiced this week. Uh, granted, Zamir White had a really nice game for them against the Chiefs. But uh, so far on the injury report, things look promising for the Colts here in Week 17. 
The edge is quickly Thursday night football last night. We've been talking about it. What do we do with the Browns? Joe Flacco up over 300 yards again. Three touchdowns. Browns winners 37-20. The Browns at 11-5. I mean, 8-1 at home, KB. That's unbelievable. Uh, the Browns, they clinch a playoff berth. So even though it was Thursday night football, the Cleveland Browns have clinched before the Kansas City Chiefs. That's basically uh, the moral <laughs> of the story. And they could still be, Mark mentioned they could be a one. I would focus more on could they be a two seed uh we shall see but nonetheless the browns in the playoffs 37 20 your final uh yesterday and just to wrap up some college football uh last night you saw it oklahoma falls to arizona kansas state loses to nc state or beats nc state boston college over smu miami falls to rutgers and then the big one everyone's going to be watching today two o'clock cbs oregon state and notre dame in the Sun Bowl, a six-point favorite. For all the marbles. For all the marbles, a six-point favorite <laughs> there uh, are the Fighting Irish. You have Clemson and Kentucky at New Memphis, Iowa State at 3.30, Missouri and Ohio State. The Cotton Bowl, that's the big one, 8 o'clock tonight. We should sneak in a little college football playoff chatter here before we round yeah. things out because those games will be on Monday. Again, Michigan, Alabama, Washington, and Texas. And then college basketball coming up tonight back from Christmas break. It'll be Indiana and Kennesaw State. We've mentioned this a couple times throughout the show. But again, fans of the Hoosiers, that is a Big Ten Plus game. That requires an additional subscription to watch that. I believe it's nine ninety five per month. So Trisha Whitaker uh, is going to be on the sidelines of that game. Okay. So, uh, Trisha back in her hometown there. I know she's doing some teaching this fall, or did some teaching, well, I should say. What, what am I? Uh, fall, what, so. what am I? One of my producers when I was in Louisville had her at IU Bloomington as a teacher. Look at that. How about that? Look at that. Yeah, she and I same graduating Small class world. down there. So Indiana again. Kennesaw State, not just some cakewalk, which, you know, for IU this year, no mid-major really has been that besides North Alabama. So uh, we'll see how Indiana reacts coming back from Christmas. And then Purdue, Eastern Kentucky, that is on actual Big Ten Network. That is a 7 o'clock tip for the Boilers. Again, they are looking to complete an undefeated non-conference schedule. All right, it is time for a pop quiz. Let's do that on the other side. Freebie Friday right here, 317-239-1070. Pop quiz is next. All right, time to give away. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. That uh, Jiffy Lou Boil change here with the pop quiz here on this Friday. We've already given our picks uh, for the Colts and Raiders. Mark and KB, you bo- you boys both took the Colts. I took the Raiders in a one-point game. We'll talk some college football playoff as well. Uh, all right, KB, I'm going to put the onus on you. What number do you want to go with? We have phone lines full. What do you want to do? Uh, yeah, I'm scrolling through the pop quiz right now. I feel like if you've got decent NFL history you might have a chance here yeah I I feel like the first two are very relevant especially if you've listened to the show today um let's go with it's day five well it's day four of the work week for most people let's go with number four here as we close things out Joel Joel good morning good morning yeah how are you man how's it going hey I'm doing great so far thanks 
Hey, Joel sounds happy on this Friday. Hey, Joel, <laughs> have you called before? Uh, it's been a couple years, but it's been some time. Oh, i curious what uh, what, what spurred the action. Need a Jiffy Lube oil change that bad? I hopped in the car, and the pop quiz came on, and I dialed and got lucky. First first call right in. <laughs> Look at that. Johnny on the spot here, Joel. It was Joel. fate. It really was. It was absolute fate by Joel here. Right. Um, well, I think this is doable, to be honest with you. Uh, I'll let Andy Sweeney lead it off. Joel, thanks for calling, and uh, Happy New Year, man. All right, it's a stag going around, Joel, so if you don't know it, you know I'm not going to feel too bad for you. The Pacers beat the Bulls last night. You know Halliburton uh, became just the second player since at least 1985 to have a game with 20 points, 20 assists, and zero turnovers. Who was the other? Was it Jason Kidd, Scott Skiles, Chris Paul, Magic Johnson? I think it was a uh, Jason Kidd game. So, Joel, this is minute one of you listening to the show today. I just want to be fully transparent here. We did say he just minute got one. in the car. So, yeah, it is minute one. Okay. Yeah, we, right, we've said right. it like nine times. He's, so, I don't know. He seems Do- like a nice guy. Yeah. I'm going to give him a reprieve here. <laughs> um, it is not Jason Kidd. Any other guesses? How about Chris Paul? Thank the Lord. All right, number two here, Joel. One year ago today, this player set an NBA record by hitting a three-pointer just four seconds into the game. Was it Steph Curry, Buddy Heald, Donovan Mitchell, or Clay Thompson? Clay Thompson. All right, question number three. 60 years ago today, the Chicago Bears beat the New York Giants 14-10 at Wrigley Field to win the franchise's eighth NFL championship. Take that, Andy. Uh, yeah, there you go. How many NFL titles have the Bears won since 1963? Is the answer one, two, three, or four? All I hear about is the 84 Bears. I never really hear much about that prior, so I'm going with one. Look at here. Okay. All right, Joel, number four. The Cleveland Browns beat the Jets last night to remain in contention for the AFC North title. Going to need some help from the Ravens, though. Who was the last head coach to lead the Browns to a division championship? It happened in the year I was born. Okay. Butch Davis, Bill Belichick, Bud Carson, or Marty Schottenheimer? Oh, boy. I'm going to take the only other name that I think is a Schottenheimer, I think. That's a, that's a reach. Don't you feel like the next winner of the Mayo Bowl should be a guy named Bud Carson? <laughs> I'm, I'm, Bud remember, Carson. I'm remembering Butch Davis. I'm just remembering oh, Butch sure. Davis going yeah. going uh, going there to the Browns. All right, last one, Joel. Let's end on a good note. There's never been a shutout in Super Bowl history. There have been, or there were, seven shutouts in NFL championship game history, and today marks the 55th anniversary of the last one. Who was the last team to pitch a shutout in an NFL championship game? Is it Cleveland Browns? Minnesota Vikings, Green Bay Packers, or Baltimore Colts? We'll go with the Cleveland Browns. What do you get? Well, Joel, I'm not terrible. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm glad it was a freebie Friday there for Joel. Um, do appreciate calling him for the first time in several years, but a little disappointing on number one there. Uh, so what do you get right? He got the middle two? Yeah, eventually right? eventually he got the Chris Brown. Yeah! We, two and three we, yeah, he got right. Yeah, we helped him with that. Uh, four seconds into the game, Buddy Heald did that against Cleveland. That's back in 2022. And then the Bears, sorry, Mark, have won just one NFL title since 1963. Thank you, Joel, for calling. Happy New Year. Um, let's get two picks in here. We got so we had two Colts and one Raiders. We've got niece Ellen and daughter Rosie. Rosie, Colts or Raiders on Sunday? Who do you think? Colts. Ellen, Colts or Raiders? Colts. We've got multiple Colts here. Andy, you are on oh the Lone boy. Island. Do you, do you think you'll be on the Lone Island once yeah. we get through everybody yeah. all day long? Yeah. Will anybody – will JMV pick the Raiders? Will anyone else pick the Raiders? Will I be alone? I would say – I'm kind of thinking there's a 75% chance right now I'll be the I'll be the dope with Raiders up there and everybody else will have the Colts. You and uh, Brendan King will be on the Raiders <laughs> Island together. It'll just be me and Brendan King uh, who are going to be out there. Well, I'm going to be at the game. We're going to miss you, KB. I'll uh, have some pizza pizza and salad at halftime for you. How's that? Well, yeah, have some bacon for me. There's plenty (laughs) that I will miss from that press box spread coming up. Uh, All right, we'll do it one final time. As Andy said, a little college football playoff preview. Those games are on Monday. Again, no show for us on Monday. Uh, Let's do that to round out things. One final time here, wake-up call, KB and Andy. There's a rumor out there that Jimmy Cook may pick the Raiders as well. Uh, so I don't know if that's a good you thing. You and Jay Cook. Yeah, I don't know if me and Jay Cook together, uh, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I haven't really followed uh, any of his picks. Now, I know he, he's a gambler, uh, as am I. I already have Ohio State today, even though I hate it. But I was told to take Ohio State. So uh, we shall see. Can I get uh, can I get something off my chest here? I, I think we're gonna talk a little college football playoff to round it out. But I just saw this idiotic tweet earlier today, and I had to mention it. And it was a shot at me and my Notre Dame fandom. I believe you were tagged in the tweet as well. Oh, oh boy! This is from Boiler Bill. Okay, <laughs> Boiler Bill, whose profile picture he just looks like a buffoon. Boiler Bill goes, Andy, don't forget to wish your partner K Bowen ten seventy a happy National Title Day. Every year is Notre Dame's year. Every year they play the same day as the Barstool Bowl. Um, Not to defend Notre Dame's bowl history here of recent, but I will. Uh, Andy, Sun Bowl, Gator Bowl, Uh Fiesta Bowl, Uh Rose Bowl, Camping World Bowl. That was a win over Brock Purdy, by the way, in the Camping World Bowl. And then... uh, a Cotton Bowl, a Citrus Bowl, a Fiesta Bowl. In recent Notre Dame history, they have been a predominant team in the bowl picture landscape. So, Boiler Bill, uh, not to take a shot <laughs> at the Purdue it, football Bill. team, but here I am. Uh, where are you at here in bowl season, <laughs> Purdue? I think last time they were in a bowl, they – well, I guess last year they might have been, but didn't they lose by 100 to Auburn one year? Uh, Yeah, I tell you, the Auburn year, I remember because I took the over in that game, and I think it was, what, like 45-40 at halftime? <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was something ridiculous like that. Well, I mean, listen, Boiler Bill's doing what what uh, many people do, and that is they hate on Notre Dame football. So when Notre Dame is facing Oregon State at 2 o'clock in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, you know people are going to come over the hill at you. You know how it is. You're a Notre Dame fan. 
Purdue's recent bowl history here, sixty-three to seven to LSU last oh. year in the Citrus Bowl. Yeah, I remember and that. And then yes, they did beat Tennessee in the Wild Music City Bowl. But remember the other Auburn Music City Bowl that was sixty-three to fourteen the, there. So oh, okay, that's not the one I was thinking yeah. of. Sixty-three to fourteen. Boiler Bill, yeah, put that in your pipe and smoke it here on this Friday. So I just had to get that out of the way here to end twenty twenty. Will Notre Dame play a bunch of young guys? I mean, that's that's the point here, right? You're going to play guys you may see next year. Yeah, they are. Yeah, again, you know, this gets into the opt-out rant that I had oh, a couple sure. days, yeah. maybe weeks ago. I mean, it's a joke. The fact that Sam Hartman thinks he should opt out of the bowl game I agree. as a six-round pick is just a joke. And and the NILs need to be contracted into it. I mean, if you're going to get, you know, X amount of six figures or, hell, more than that, I mean, there should be a, a stipulation in there that you, sh- you should play in the bowl game, period. So, yeah, it'll be a lot of opt I mean, both sides of it. Notre Dame's had a ton of opt-outs, and they're still a touchdown favorite over you know, an Oregon State team that had a pretty good season. So uh, 2 o'clock today, and as we look ahead to Monday, again, that is our college football playoff. The first game will be out in the Rose Bowl. It will be Michigan and Alabama. That is pretty much a pick em. Uh, and then Texas, a, a, a last I saw, I think, a four-and-a-half-point favorite yeah. over Washington. Uh, what do you like? You know, I I would like to take Michigan. I think my heart is saying I'd like to take Michigan just because I know Harbaugh frustrates you and me and Mark Dykton are, root, are rooting for the evil Michigan Wolverines yep. and Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. So part of me would like it, but, but don't you feel like we've seen this script before that Michigan cruises and then they get to a big boy and it's usually an SEC team and they look like in the SEC team looks better. And so I don't know. I kind of feel like, I, you know, if you like Alabama and you like that trend, plus you might get the better quarterback at Alabama, plus you're going to get a couple points. Right now, I think it's Michigan favored by about two. Wait, Milrose better than J.J. McCarthy? Yeah, I would probably go with him. Yeah, I, I would. I, I could be wrong there, but I mean, just because he can use his feet and Milrow's more passing yards, more passing touchdowns uh, as well. And plus, you know, I mean, Milrow has, I'd have to look up his rushing stats, but uh, I would imagine they're pretty good. Again, he didn't even play the entire season. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess I would go Alabama there. And then the late game like that, to me, this is the fun one because Texas, are they back? Are they back? Are they back? We've talked so much about that. And then, and, you know, Michael Penix Jr., the connection here. Uh, Washington being back, if you will. Boy, I love this game. It's going to be fun. I- I'll go I'm Texas. I'm all in on Washington. Okay, I'll go the opposite. I'll go Texas. So I guess we're going to get a, re- a rematch of Alabama and Texas. And you're going what? Michigan and Washington? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, I think I'm going to go there. The one thing that I do worry about Michigan, and you know my disdain for the cheater that is Harbaugh, um, they haven't played a, well, I guess TCU counts. But they haven't played a Power 5 non-conference game the last two years. You know, remember this year we were making fun of it, Andy, earlier in the year, the games Harbaugh was suspended for. Right. You know, the East Carolina right. and the Bowling Greens of the world. Last year I think they played UConn and Hawaii. And then all of a sudden, you know, TCU, of course, that was a huge upset in the semifinal game. So, yeah, I get the Big Ten is the Big Ten. And, you know, it's still a very good conference. And obviously Michigan – you know, has really had its way, but still, I mean, that's, I think what you worry about is just Alabama. I mean, they, they challenge themselves on the non-conference too. They, they play Texas, you know, earlier this year. So I, I, I do think that is a bit of concern and I, I don't know. 
I just can't get that image out of my head either of Michigan reacting to playing Alabama, oh, finding know. out they were playing I, listen, Alabama. I know. I, I mean, any other team, if it would have been Texas, Washington, if, you know, if, well, maybe not Georgia, but but definitely if Florida State got in. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's funny because last year, Paul Feinbaum and others, and I understood the take, not that I agreed with it. They wrote Alabama off, you know, for being dead. Like This was the end of Nick Saban, and then Saban and the quarterback position was shaky. Texas goes into Tuscaloosa, and they get a win, and you're looking and saying, boy, Alabama really is taking a step back, and then they figure things out like Saban does, and now, you know, so many people, I'm interested where this line ends up, so many people uh, are going to be picked. Alabama, and then on the Michigan side, just the optics of of Michigan receiving what level one violations, something that they're going to have to deal with in the offseason, something they've dealt with the last couple years. And even though the college football playoff isn't the NCAA, still, you know, powers that be handing a trophy uh, to Michigan uh, would would be funny. I mean, let's just be honest. I You know, Michigan beat Alabama. I would pick them then to go on and win the national title. And then on top of it, you know, the, the last few days they've had press availabilities there in Pasadena for the Rose Bowl. And, you know, Harbaugh has um, – no commented, I guess is the best way to say, if he's going to go to the NFL. You know, they want to give him a lifetime deal worth over, what, 10, 11, 12 million dollars, but they want to have a clause, does Michigan, in that deal that you can't go to the NFL. And Harbaugh, is he going to be able to give up uh, that itch of the NFL in winning at the highest level? I think that's going to be drama on top of fallout if they were to win or lose uh, on top of all the cheating uh, and, and everything else. And then the late game, you know, the Texas is back thing. You know, Sarkeesian can actually bring that back, which would be, and you would say making the college football playoff the Final Four, he already has. And then, you know, the Pac-12 hasn't had a lot of success in the college football playoff and then you talk about the Michael Penix injuries transfer being at Indiana and everything else that is a I don't know if that's a good local story I think people are rooting for him but that was a high level player Uh, you know a guy that could have won the Heisman was you know 45 minutes down the road in Bloomington I also feel bad for Washington Andy they are the number two ranked team and this is going to be like a pseudo road game for them you know, Texas is the three. They sure. get to play in the Sugar Bowl. Sure. You know, that's – and, you know, Michigan, I think, picked the Rose Bowl as the one seed. And so the other game, obviously, uh, down in the Superdome. So, again, those will come up on Monday, as Andy said. It'll be Michigan and Bama, the first game. You'll get the sunset from the Rose Bowl. And that second game will be Washington and Texas. Um, I do want to make sure we give a rundown on Colts games to watch for this weekend. And I think I've got these kind of in order, Andy. I think you would agree – Kansas City beating Cincinnati is the biggest game for Colts fans to be watching for. Again, that is at Arrowhead, 425 kickoff in that one. You could probably argue what's up next. Um, Just sticking with a wild card route, I'll go with Seattle at home over Pittsburgh, another game that you would want. Now, in the division, uh, it'll be Carolina-Jacksonville. You want Carolina over Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence sounds very iffy as we get here to Friday morning. Now, C.J. Stroud has has cleared concussion protocol. They've got the Titans. Uh, Then the other one, not as much weight kind of carried in this one. 
but that would be rooting for New England over Buffalo. So Chiefs, Seahawks, Panthers, Titans, Patriots, those are some teams you want to root for here this weekend for the Colts. Yeah, to, to me, the biggest one is easy. It's Bengals and Chiefs. You, you need to get the right, Bengals right. You, because you've said, you know, hey, if you're tied with the Bengals, they beat you head-to-head. You need to get the Cincinnati Bengals out of the way, and usually it wouldn't be a problem, but the Chiefs have just been so fractured on offense. you got to think the Chiefs win that game. I, I, I don't know. I mean, if Kansas City lost that game and they went to 9-7 and seven and they went to 4-5 and five at home, that would really throw a wrench in everything. And then, you know, I, I want to believe that Carolina can hang with the Panthers. I mean, do the Panthers or the Panthers, the Jags, I mean, do the Jags think they can they can sit Trevor Lawrence for a game and get him healthy uh, for the final week of the season? Or is it, hey, he's going to limp out there because that's what he's done his entire career. He'll get injured and, lim- and limp out there. I know, I know. The, the only worry with that, again, is if Jacksonville goes 1-1, one and one, if Indy or Houston go 2-0, oh, sure. which, they lose again, the division. they play next weekend. You know, yeah, Jacksonville would lose control of the division with one loss. Now, on paper, it's Carolina and Tennessee, so you that that's manageable, but still, uh, obviously a huge... Huge it, watch for you. And just, it just just quickly, it does look like Will Levis is going to be out there for Tennessee. Uh, just following some of their reporters, he practiced yesterday. I, I don't have a great hope that Tennessee can go on the road and beat the Texans, but that's one that you'll want to watch uh, for sure. If the Texans lose that game, Mark Dykton may owe me a six-pack. So there we go. We'll see. Boys, Happy New Year. <laughs> you too, happy man. For, uh, have a good time. Th- Thanks for putting up with me and the uh, in the production, uh, whatever uh, logistical issues we've had. But I'm glad the Opal worked out and sounds good. Thank you to all of our listeners out there. Hope you guys have a great end here to 2023. Again, our coverage 9 a.m. coming up on Sunday. Raiders Colts one o'clock kick. We'll find out that kickoff time for Colts and Texans in the, in the season finale some point on Sunday. No show Monday. Back all next week after that. Everybody have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy, Happy New Year.